Bam, we're live. I'm good. I got the shirt on for you. It's so cool. I watched it with your uh, your interview last night with, uh, what's the gentleman's name? He owns the supplement company, the young kid who's having the baby, uh, Nick Bear. Nick. Yeah, Nick Bear. Yeah, he just uh, they just had the baby, man, like two days ago, something like that. So I made sure I sent him a message. What a good, good young guy. What a stud, man. Yeah, how old is that dude? I think he's thirty, like thirty-one. Yeah, it was a, It's a um. That was that that interview. That that really that interview really tripped me out in a way that I didn't um expect you, you uh it, it forced me to like uh reflect on myself a lot on my age a lot and what oh okay why because because he's so young and so successful he's so say it again mm-hmm. say it again i was gonna say is it because of the parents stuff or because he's a stud and he's 31 and he's already crushing it yeah there's a, a combination of um so you you, you know you want your life experiences to help you move forward but you don't want them to jade you right so you right. meet 10 dishonest people but you don't that 11th person you meet and you, we all know those people that are like my my like my dad can't stand uh, real estate agents and lawyers and just anyone who makes money um off of their um what's that called uh like their sales, right? Don't trust a lawyer. He wants it to go to court so he can charge more money so he can do this. Don't trust a real estate agent. He's going to tell you, you love the house. Like my dad is jaded like that, right? I don't ever want to have that. Every real estate agent I meet, I want to just treat them like a human being. Yeah, for sure. But this guy has some uh, genuine, uh, naive is going to come across negative because it's not naive. Um, He's a super powerful seedling. He he like um there's some weak seedlings out there. The seedling for the sunflower plant is not a weak seedling. Before the flower comes out, that's a fucking plant. Yeah, that's a monster. No, you know what yeah, he is? That guy's already a monster and he hasn't even flowered yet. He's still like a little kid, but he's already a monster. I'm like, what? Yeah, he's already a monster. You know what it is for him, man? The more, the yeah. more that I sat and talked with him, it is a genuine uh curiosity, right? It's okay. a curiosity. It's a curiosity and it's a, it's a kind of a wonder around the world. You know, he, he, uh, he just looks at everything of like, oh man, this is going to be, I'm so curious of what this is going to be like. And I, I know it's going to be amazing, but I'm so curious in what ways that comes into fruition. You know, he was looking at his company and kind of like, what's, what are the next stages of my company? And he was like genuinely curious and kind of wondering like, man, I'm sure it's going to be amazing, but what do I do with it? Like, what is the next stage? He was looking at that from, in terms of his marriage, in terms of his, you know, becoming a father. Um, he just had that genuine curiosity about a man and, and, uh, yeah, just such a good guy. So smart, so accomplished, a physical freaking, just a savage, you know, I, um, I started following him, um, uh, after I watched it and yeah, this morning he woke up or I don't know when he, when he actually did it, but the post was he woke up and ran 20 miles. <laughs> I'm like, Oh God. And he's huge dude. And he's a beast. You know I mean? I, I mean, he's a, the dude's got size on him too. He's strong as an ox, right? So then he's out there running. So he's breaking a bunch of stereotypes that way too. So yeah, it was it was cool, man. I was glad I was out there. It worked out perfect. I was out in Texas to do some things and worked out perfect. And I was honored to be able to go by and chat with him. So yeah, Nick Bear, man, he's a stud. So if people don't know about him, they should. So if uh, people don't know about him, they should too, man. It's I'm always pumped to talk to you. It's thank fun. you. Uh, Boudreaux. 
maybe. Yeah. How do you say it? How do you say it? I know we talked about it in the last podcast. Yeah, we California it up. So I always grew up saying Bodro, but if Bodro, it be, okay. It so like I said, whenever whenever I speak out of country, if they speak French there, they say it way cooler. And I just anybody's even close, man. I just nod my head. I, I want to, uh, I want to, sh- well, first, first, those of you who haven't heard before, um, I've had Matt on the show before you should go back and listen to it in summation. And this is just the, the, the quick and dirty, uh, Matt lived a, a very full life, um, as a young man, um, searching for himself and putting himself in, um, ways that would allow him to find himself through one of my favorite sports, um, MMA. And he was always an entrepreneur and a go-getter. And he had the um, honor uh, and, and deserved – He did, I don't know if this is the word deservitude uh, – um, to get around a lot of strong, powerful uh, go-getters, also a, a lot of celebrity fighters. And then um, he uh, reincarnated himself as a, um, as, a, as, a, as a man of service. And it's interesting. I think a lot of people – you know, some people want to be friends with um, like it'd be cool to be friends with Kim Kardashian because she's so hot and she goes to rap parties and she got like great big old titties and Kanye looks like he'd be fun to meet and just like it would be interesting and it would be cool to be friends with, um, you know, maybe LeBron so that like you could get courtside seats. The people who want to be friends with Matt want to be friends with Matt because of what he's giving to planet Earth and what he's giving to children. Thanks, that you won't you won't know a lot of people like that. You, you thank you. You want to be friends with this dude because you want to support what he's doing. You're not even if you love Kim, you're not really interested in like supporting what she's doing. Or even if you love LeBron, you're not interested in supporting what they're doing. The people who get behind Matt want to stand behind him and push him. They want to give to him. I appreciate uh, you, that. Like if I go to Kim's house, I want to take from her. I want to I want to take some pictures of her. I want to like hug her and squeeze her inappropriately tight. LeBron, I want to like put on his shoes and like touch his hands and see how small my hands are. I don't want to do that to Matt. I don't want to take anything from him. I want to get. I want to. I want to participate. He's a, he's a um a a pond that you throw a penny in and make a wish and you make the wish for him, not for you. I mean, you are a fucking good human being. Um, dude, I. I... I don't have as much to give as those other guys in those different ways. So if people want to give this way and come this direction, it's, it's, you know, they usually are relating to the mission. They're relating to the mission. Uh, you know, it's the mission of, of, of building up these strong young kids, you know? So it's, um, so I get to automatically partner with amazing people, you know, people like yourself who understand the mission, who are living that with your own, you know, maybe not building schools. So you're raising three human beings. Like that is, yeah. that is a mission. And you're, and you're intentional about the way you do that, you know, and, um, I just know far too many people that are doing that. So, I mean, I think the same, same kind of things could be said to you. And I think anybody I get to partner with, yeah, that's, that's a mission. And what's so cool, man, is that, um, there are so many good people that are on board with this. They're really, I mean, it's the, we're in the age of division, you know, we're in the age of everybody find the enemy and man, I get wrapped up into it too. Cause I'm like, fuck this and this system. And I'm, I get very much wrapped in that, into that too, but um, I always try to rein myself back in and go, look, man, I got a finite amount of energy and I can either be pissed about this or I can build something better over here. And whether that's building my kids, my family, my schools, my programs, my whatever it is to, to pour into these young guys, you know, I got to try to redirect that. But there's a lot of good people involved in that mission, man. When I if I look at your taxes how or, or your business portfolio, how many schools do you own? Yeah. So are you, I, resp- are you responsible for? So 
Yeah, those are so those are two different questions. So I was okay, owner, okay. Yeah, so I was the the physical owner of three um, that I have since transferred license to uh, the employees and a and a former business partner. I am okay. So when I talked to you last time, you had three schools K through twelve. These acting academies that I specifically own. Exactly. Yeah. What okay. I've done is taken on a role of responsibility for about 300. Um, and so does that um, have really, a title? Can you give me a title for that? Not really. Um, okay. I mean, kind of, okay. you know, I mean, really no, cause it's more out of, it's more out of service. It's more of like a, a chief, you know, e- evangelist recruiter, whatever you want to call it. So I help, you know, about 300 owners around the world, uh, running their specific schools, in this network. And then I spend my days, a lot of my days talking to, I'll talk to four or five people a day around the world who are interested in doing the same thing for their communities, interested in doing the same thing for their kids. And, um, we know we'll, we'll jump on a zoom call for an hour and just go, okay, man, here's what you got to do. Here's how it starts. Here's how you do it effectively. Here's how you create, you know, sustainability. Here's how you, uh, really trying to help as many good people as I can, again, get on board with the mission, right? If we can get more and more of these, then we can start to actually shift all those things that I want to tend to be like, okay, school, clearly there's issues and there's agendas and yes, all this stuff. And I want to point that out because I want people to see it, but I want to spend more time going and solution looks like this, right? Solutions over here. And if I can get more and more people over here, it was just like the CrossFit explosion, right? It's like, look, here's a solution. Here's something else right here. And if we can create a whole bunch of people dude, getting behind this and blowing this up, well, then everybody over here has to at least notice, like I do at least see it. Right. So we're doing the same thing. So that's what I spend my days. Um, I spend my days doing that and, and then running the other programs that I get to run for young people outside of just the schools. Uh, and, and one of those would be like the Apogee program. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Apogee separate, Tim, separate from Acton. That's separate from Acton Academy. It is. Yeah. So Tim, um, most people listening will know Tim Kennedy more than they'll know who I am for good, for good reason. And, um, you know, Tim, Tim and I are, are friends and partners on this. And we were, uh, he, he beat my ass in a, in a, in a workout about a year and a half ago, we were working out in Texas and he just crushed me, uh, and, and had a couple of his buddies there and just a bunch of savages. Um, and then we got done, we went over to a coffee shop and we we're hanging out and we were talking through what this could look like. So we kind of went two directions. One, I helped him open, uh, the school, the physical campus that he now has out there in, in Cedar park, Texas. And then the other part was, uh, the development of Apogee Strong, which is uh, good men pouring into young men, and it's it's a year long program for young guys. So we got young men, you know, like thirteen to nineteen, twenty years old, uh, all, all over the world involved in this program. It's it's freaking awesome. These three hundred schools, do they all fall under the Acton Academy flag? They're Acton yep. Academies. Yep. And, yes, and, they are. And you said around the world, there's some outside the United States. Twenty six countries now, man. Wow, dude. Congratulations. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, man. We're in 41, 41 states, I think, and, and 26 countries. I have to go back and double check, but I think that's right about where it's at. So yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty freaking cool. The uh, um the method in which you and, and I'm purposely not using the word curriculum because we talked about that uh last yeah. show. Yeah. The method in which you Hmm. You may have to help me here. 
engaged. This is the first 500. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, engaged. There's 500 shows I've never been at a loss for words. Uh, the method in which you engage with these children, is there a book that I could read and it'll be like, oh, yes, that's uh, Rudolf Steiner's way of engaging with kids? Or is there yeah, what's the, the, the principle of how you engage with the kids? Yeah, Stein, I mean, so the, the I just made that up, that guy, because I know he has the Waldorf schools, right? Yeah, so I just made Steiner him up. was rad. Steiner is rad, and there's there are Waldorf elements. You know, some, uh, you could read A.S. Neal's uh, Summerhill, right? You could read uh, Peter Gray's um, – uh, gosh, what is Peter Gray's? Free to Learn um, is phenomenal. Anything by John Taylor Gatto, G-A-T-T-O, is phenomenal. Seth Godin's Stop Stealing Dreams – Ah, I watched that last night. I watched the um, his TED talk last night after I heard you talk about it. Oh God, I love him, man. Seth is is a freaking great dude. Um, you know his books, all of those. Maria Montessori, like all of those, will give you a bit of insight. But there is a book called Courage to Grow that is really uh, that dives you know deep kind of into our day to day ad act, and it is it is acting specifics because there's there's elements of all of those. Uh, pioneers that are that are in the program you know we want ultimately we want that that freedom and that responsibility to be a hundred percent on the heroes you know we want it to be where the adults truly can be irrelevant not have to be there at all and have those young heroes just rocking and rolling uh, so courage to grow is the best book for it i'm looking on uh amazon uh laura sandifer correct how right. Acton Academy turns lead, uh, learning upside down. Yes, sir. That's the one. That's the go-to book. And it's quick read, inspirational read. Um, never met anybody that said, oh, okay, well, that was that was fine. Yeah, that's the one, man. It's, a, it's, it's phenomenal. Is this lady alive? Yes, she is. She and her husband, Jeff, um, are two of, and I, and I would say, you know, they're two of my favorite people. Um, I would say Jeff is one of the... Uh, greatest educators, pure DNA educator um, to, to ever walk the face of the, of the planet. When we start talking about people like Gatto and you start talking about people like, you know, Steiner and Montessori and um, you know, you start talking about, about some of these legends like that. Jeff is in, Jeff is in that category. What, what, what's an educator? How so I, I always, I always differentiate between teachers and educators. And, and I think, you know, people can learn to teach and you can learn to be, you can be a mentor. I think mentors are usually a master in a, in a certain area. I think of it like martial arts, right? And you can, you can be a master in a certain area and you can mentor somebody into that um, specific level of, of mastery. Uh, but I think teachers and a God bless teachers, man, I love good, good humans that are good teachers are important and I support them. I support them greatly. Um, but I, you know, just based on my own experience of becoming a, a teacher, especially in public schools, you can, you can pretty much train anybody to be a teacher, right? Cause it's more about following a system and you're, you're just parroting the prescription, you know, somewhat. I think an educator to me is, is a DNA thing. I don't think you can teach anybody how to be an educator. I think it is um, a combination of uh, an inherent belief in humanity. I think you have to have that love, a genuine love for humans you know, you actually have to believe that they are that they are an amazing species, that genius is the default setting. I think you have to truly believe that. Uh, and then you have to get your own ego out of the way 
in order to understand that your job, uh, and it, it's easier for an educator to do this, your job is to open doors. Your job is to lift eyes to the horizon. Your job is to make yourself irrelevant as soon as you can and, and help this young genius, you know, on this kind of journey. And it sounds very esoteric and mumbo jumbo, but the way it really plays out is you believe in them, you expose them to an experience, you ask them their thoughts, their questions, you push back on that and allow them to think through things. And you're not busy, you know, pounding your ideas into them. You're busy cultivating a, a, a you know, an environment around them. So they're going to come to their own conclusions. And Jeff does that naturally uh, and, and masterfully. Uh, I don't know anybody that does, especially when you start talking about, you know, uh, taking like a Socratic conversation or, or the concept of, of Socratic where you're asking why, why, why? And, and he's so good at going, would you rather, you know, choice A or choice B, and he doesn't let you choose in the middle. It's no choice A or choice B if you had to choose one. And then what do you mean by that? And he's able to question you with such simplicity that your thoughts become inherently more complex. And that's a genius level thing, right? He doesn't ask you complex questions. So where your answers are just kind of these, uh, you know, yes or no kind of things. He asks you the most simple questions that allow you to really go through your own thoughts. Uh, and it's a skill that I don't know anybody that has it to the level that he does. So yeah, huge fan, obviously. Do they He's have kids? Do, person. do those yeah, two they, have kids? Mm-hmm, they do. Yeah. They've got a couple of studs. Jeff has a, uh, he has a daughter who's a, who's a brilliant human from uh, a previous marriage. And then uh, he and Laura have two young men, um, Sam and Charlie. They're somewhere around, um, I want to say like 18 and 19 or 18, 19 and 20. They're somewhere around, around that. And uh, both, you know, following after the parents' footsteps, stellar young men, way smarter than I am, way more handsome, way more. I mean, they're just freaking, they're awesome. Um, when, when, when I was raised um, uh, in, in the abortion issue um, came up, uh, it, it was all about, um, it, it was presented to me as a kid, uh, very, um, I'm going to use the word one-sided, but even presenting it like that is one-sided. I want to be more open than that. But it was presented to me as this is a, a women's rights issue mm. and that um, if you if you don't uh, believe in allowing women to get abortions, uh, then you're against women's rights. And, and, and that was put into me just forever and ever and ever. Right. And, and I use this subject because um, – uh, it is so it is so charged but if i were to when i bring it up to my kids i will i will bring it i will bring it up like that then i will also bring it up to what about the baby's rights and then i will also bring it up is this even the right question to ask like maybe like remember i'm posing it to you as either is it the baby's rights or is it the uh woman's rights or maybe that's not even the question to ask right and and we're present we're presented these but 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 as a child, until I was like, I know this sounds so naive on my part, but until I was into my maybe forties, I'm fifty now. It was never even mentioned that what about the killing of the baby, in the circles that I ran in, never once. Like never, no, no one's ever. It's not like it's it's twenty people sitting around with pickets in my in my group being like, I can't believe they're against women's rights. No 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 one was like, 
what about the baby uh, being sure. killed? Sure. Like, like no one ever. Sure. It was and just that- attack. It was just attack anyone who said that. And I'm still pro-choice. Yeah. But but I side with all the lot. No, sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm still pro-choice person, I guess. Yeah. But I side with all the logic that's on the pro-life side, right? And that's and and and, and I don't want to take that away from my. I want my child to be um to be to be able to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and and it, um and it was an interesting thing that I heard you talk about with Nick Bear about the other day. My son goes, hey, I. I, I want to know he, – he caught some lizards in the backyard, and he brought them in the house. We have them in a little cage with a light, and, he go, and we've been buying crickets for him. He goes, hey, they had dried worms at the store. Can you ask your computer if our lizards eat dry worms? And after listening to what you said, I'm like, oh, this fucking computer will never say I don't know. I could ask it what happens after I die. It will tell me. I can ask it where I was before I was born. It'll t- there's, that computer's only answers. I can right. do something that computer can't do. I can say I don't know. And I can drift into the unknown where all, where in my opinion is where all the power is. That's exactly where all the power is. That's where the experience is. That's where the learning yeah. is. That's where, yeah. you know, it's, it's our I was ability. never allowed to be in the unknown because, because an ideology was pumped onto me. It's women's rights. I was never allowed to be like, Hey, but, or how, what, or no one asked me a question. I was told. That's right. And what are the nuances around that? There aren't, that's right. We take, you know, and, and we tend to do that as parents. We do that from, you know, uh, uh, systemic overviews. We do because you had the ideology put it like, hey, pro-choice or you're a sex shit, right? Like it's just. Yeah, defend pro-choice. women or else you're a piece of shit. It's all about or the women. Stuff, yeah. Right? yeah. And then yeah. you've got people on the other side who are like, look, it's all about the baby. Screw the lady. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. That's the ideology they tell their kids. It's all about the baby. Screw the lady. They don't care because the lady right. clearly put herself in the situation. Right. And so. Right. You've got both sides. And then what happens there? Neither side wants to actually have a conversation. And so you inherently have division. So you inherently have a whole group of people that the reality is you probably agree on 85, 90%. You probably agree on so much. You'd probably be able to come together on so many things. You'd probably be able to make friendships. You'd probably be able to do some really cool things together and have some meeting of the minds. But you were introduced via... I oppose you, you oppose me, we're enemies on this, boom. And so then there's an immediate disconnect. And and that is the story that's spun, you know, especially in media now. And it's it's just continuously about that division versus, okay, we're going to disagree on this. We're going to disagree, you know, on this specific topic. Let's talk about it. What are the nuances here? Are there some places where we do agree? Maybe both sides agree you know, on the, on the abortion issue, maybe we actually agree on some of, some of the nuances, some of the like unique one-offs, some of the, maybe we can find some common ground here. And at the end of the day, if we can't find some common ground on this, maybe we can still find some common ground other places and not look at each other as enemies. We just look at each other as two people who disagree on this specific thing, you know, and, and, um, and those are the conversations. That's it. You want to have that. And you got to realize when you're having those with your with your young person too. And you saying, you don't know. And they're saying maybe they don't know, or they have a specific opinion in their 15, they're 18. That opinion could also change. Yeah. Yeah. That opinion might change, right? That's part you might of not growth. even be thinking about it. Right. You right. might not even be thinking about it. Right. Yep. Because as you get, so, so eventually, so here's like to give a, an, an example of that um, precedent. 
So what the, the um, you might be thinking it's about uh, pro uh, kill the baby or kill the, kill the mom, and then someone sure. could be like, well, or um, sorry, kill the baby or uh, mom's rights, and okay. then someone could be like, hey, how can you kill a baby, Sevon? And then my response is, well, there's another issue. What's that, Sevon? Precedent. What's precedent? Precedent is is if we allow to if we allow society to tell women what they can and can't do with their body, what's that lead to? What are the implications of that? So actually it has nothing to do with whether it's killing and just giving someone a whole nother way to think about it. And, yeah. and, and I don't mean superficial ways, the superficial oh. ways that go down rabbit holes are what, and I'm okay with this kind of talk, but it doesn't lead to an end. When is it actually a life? Th this kind of stuff where you're going down a rabbit hole instead of going bigger picture, going more enlightened, going wiser. And yeah. uh, it's, um, that's the point though, is it's all worth exploring. Right. All, right. Of, that, all right. of that is nuance worth exploring, right? Because when does it become a life? It, that inherently speaks. If it is, if you're, you know, the way Ben Shapiro describes it is he's talking about, um, you know, this uh, eventually, if left alone, becomes this sentient, you know, uh, sentient being. And so if, if that is the precedent that we are setting, then immediately upon, you know, uh, conception, we are good to go. That is going to be a sentient being, if, if sentient being, if left alone. Um, so then maybe we should leave that alone and people all oh, know that's not the case. He's, then he argues that, okay, well, if somebody's in a coma and we don't know if they're going to come out, can we stab them? Can we kill them? You know, and I think all of these, whether you like Ben Shapiro or not, whether you're choice, the point is fuck, listen and relax listen, yeah. And, yeah. and understand at the end of the day, you will find something you disagree on with pretty much every other human on the planet. So then what? Are you going to let it ruin your day? Are you going to let it ruin your life? Are you going to let it ruin all of your relationships? Or are you going to look for ways to keep yourself emotionally in check, be able to, to have civil discourse, be able to change your mind if better evidence gets presented, be able to push for what you believe. I don't Or change yourself, become wiser yourself, right? That's it, man. That's it. And I will always push hard for what I believe, but I promise you I will change my mind if new evidence is presented. And yeah. I promise I'll push hard while understanding that somebody else is coming at it from a different perspective in a different life phase with different background. And I'm not going to get emotionally attached to them disagreeing with me. And I'm not going to take it and go, well, then you're a piece of shit and you and I can't hang out. Like that's just, that's a shitty way to live period, you know? And that's, and again, I think any good educator circling back to somebody like Jeff, or whatever, I think that's what they actually want. Right. And that's the definition of freedom is that I'm free in all of the ways that people are not because I think that way. And because I keep my emotions in check and they are, and I'm free because I allow them to be free, including freely disagree with me and freely, you know, do something else as long as you're not harming somebody, somebody else. So it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a big philosophical freaking mumbo jumbo, man. But, uh, I think it's, I think it's worth, um, especially when it comes to our kids, I think it's worth considering, where are our shortcomings in that? And I, that's, I try to be as aware of that as I can and realize when I screw that up and, and um, especially around my kids. Um, uh, recent, recently, we had a, a dude in, in the CrossFit community pop and uh, for taking some sort of drug he's not allowed to take uh, while competing. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it, it, the implications are, or, or maybe it's not even implications, but it's cheating. Like you can't, you can't eat bananas before the competition or else it's cheating. Right. We took yeah. some drugs and, 
And, uh, and I had him on the show and I said, what did your mom say? And she, my mom and dad said, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, Hey dipshit, why'd you do that? And I go, Hey, can I share something with you? And he goes, what? I go, I want to tell you something about your parents. He goes, what? I go, um, they seem like they're mad at you, but they're mad at themselves. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, they wish that they would have had the relationship with you that you would have come and asked them first. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in college and I wanted to take MDMA, I bought a book on MDMA and I went to my mom with it and I read it. And I'm like, mom, I want to take this shit. Like I went to my mom. I just realized that now talking to you, I went to yeah. my mom. That's how open, yeah. that's how I could yeah. talk to my mom about anything. That's awesome. And I heard you say that recently about um, n- not only your kids, but your wife. That's right. You, you, you said in an interview, I want to be there so that my wife and my kids can talk to me about anything. That's and right. I pride my, I pride myself on being able to go anywhere in my brain. Like mm-hmm. if any if, if like if someone wants to sit me down and con- convince me that I'm a homosexual, I'm totally open to it. Let's talk. Yeah. yeah. The, the the only conversation I can ever remember shutting down was someone tried to convince me that what Jeffrey Epstein was okay. What he did uh. was okay and that um those 15-year-old girls were going to have a worse life without him. And I go, "Hey dude, I'm not doing this." Yeah. I'm not participating yeah. in this. That's yeah. in, in my 50 years. That's the only conversation yeah. I can ever remember. But there's people all around me who don't want to talk about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't want to talk it's... about Trump. I don't want to talk about Biden. Sure. I don't want to talk about anything. And I'm like, dude, these are so why this is so fun. <laughs> yeah. And don't don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. Yeah. Right. It's rude. It's rude. It's rude. Well, it created a whole culture. They can't talk about religion and can't talk about politics. That's what it created is it created a whole bunch of people that can't do that. And if we start to do it again, it's the automatic division. It's the automatic emotional breakdown. No, I, I would tend to agree with you. I think, um, you know, if somebody is, is attempting a conversation that just immediately backs up to uh, my, my values and my value systems, you're not going to, we're not going to have conversations around why pedophilia is okay. That's not going to happen. Um, right. Right. I'm not, and I'm okay I'm not, with that. If someone's like, Hey, you're a closed minded asshole. I still will own that the same way I own that. My, my iPhone might be made by uh, child labor in China. I get yeah, it. I, I'm guilty. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But, um, but if it's something worth discussing with somebody worth discussing it, you know, I, I, I also will, uh, just, just by nature of, of time and trying to protect my time, my charge, my, my life is built around, the woman and and the children that are that live on this ranch with me and like they are the priority. So if you know Sally Pants forty two on on Instagram wants to get into a philosophical you know debate around something that I think is just asking, you know I may I may not engage there just because I'm not going to take the time um, because I don't know who she is or, or who he is or if it's a freaking bot or whatever. But um, if it is a conversation worth exploring, that's not backing up against our values, our kind of family set of rules and values and who this is who we're going to be. I'm all for exploring the conversation, man. And I'm all for being okay with changing my mind or agreeing to disagree. But, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, my wife and my three kids, I want to be the number one person they go to for anything. I want them to feel comfortable. not saying they have to come to me first with everything, just saying I want them to know they can if they, if, you know, if they want to, that they don't feel uncomfortable doing so. I want them to know that can be stop number one, should they want to make it. How do you keep that door open? Oh man. It's like anything else. It's like fitness, right? What do you, how do you, how do you stay in shape? You, you keep working out, right? You keep eating the right food. Um, you know, I don't think there's any, any, uh, 
I don't think there's any secrets. I don't think there's any hacks. I think it is the transparent communication all day, every day, as much as I can, you know, go into each day and, and be conscientious around maintaining my, um, you know, emotional control, maintaining the transparency and communication, maintaining intentional communication, having conversations with them every day. And it's not the surface level stuff. It's just, you know, um, you know, as soon as they show wonder in something, or as soon as they show curiosity about something, I'm going to explore that as long as they'll go, man. I'm, you know, what do you think about that? Why are you think, what brought that to your mind? Like, cool, man. Well, what do you want to know? Like what, you know, I mean, I just want to explore those things as much as possible. Right. And so if we live in this life where it's consistently like that, um, then it's just normalized, right? I always tell parents, you normalize what you normalize. If it is the normal thing from day one that you guys have really interesting conversations around interesting topics and nothing is off limits. As soon as they're curious about something, it's not, you know, you're too, you're too young. You're too young. We'll talk about that later. We talk, you're not shutting them down. Um, you just make it a habit where they do, cause they're coming to you when they're two, they're three, they're four, they're, oh, they're coming to you. If you just maintain that and you never get weird about it, you never make them feel weird for asking, it becomes normal. Um, it can be harder with a spouse, I think, to you know potentially break those whatever ch- chains and barriers they have from their upbringing or previous relationships. And I mean, I had to do the same thing myself and work on that because we weren't a very open household, you know, growing up. Um, so I had to be intentional about that too. And as the as the husband, I think I should, you know, I should try to lead that, and I and I have, and um, so that's been a work in progress too. But you know, now we're seventeen years in, man, and and uh, it's pretty good. What what does your wife uh, do? She takes care of the ranch. She does. She does, man. So she is a farmer. She is a farmer girl uh, at heart. We were very intentional when we first had, um, we first had our very first child, man. When we said, all right, look, if we can do this, where you can stay home throughout these formative years for however many kids we have, we'd like you to be able to do it. Um, and that was a struggle financially for a while, but we made it happen, man. So. Um, she stayed home. And so now that the kids are in this, you know, kind of life stage where they are really, really, um, so, I mean, God, self-sufficient sounds kind of gives the wrong context, but it really, but it kind of doesn't too. I mean, they're really freaking self-sufficient. So since they're out just kind of kicking ass every day and my wife doesn't need to, to be right there with them. Um, you know, we've got, we bought a ranch here in February, uh, and she is running the ranch. We, we provide food to local restaurants, um, and she's running that whole business. So she just tells me when I got to come, you know, lift something or kill something or fix something or, <laughs> uh, so she's running the, she's running the show, man. And my kids are running it with her. Um, where's the ranch? We're in the mountains of North Carolina. Oh, oh, yep. wow. Yep. Is, is that why you had to, um, part ways with the, not part ways, but change your role with the three schools with in those, Sacramento with those, three, with those three campuses. Yeah. Cause those, those camps, they don't need me to run. Um, they are running. And I mean, truly those three campuses, the adults that work there are phenomenal human beings. Um, but even greater, the young heroes that are there and those families are, are amazing. And they are running more and more. The kids are running more and more of those campuses every day. It got to the point where really my days on campus, I, I was working in the same capacity I am now. I was working with the other owners around the world. I was spending my time there because on campus, they didn't need me, um, which is great. That's ideally what you want, right? You want, as a parent, you want your young men to grow up and not need to, they want a relationship with you and that's great, but you don't want them to need you. You don't want them to be 40 years old, 
depending on you financially living in your basement, like you want them to be self-sufficient human beings and then you just have a relationship. Well, that's where I got with the, with those campuses, self-sufficient. Um, and so that's great. So yeah, we're out here. How old are your kids? 11, nine and six. And, uh, how are they with the move? <laughs> Dude, they're, they, I have, um, I have an 11 year old, nine year old and six year old adults. Wow. And I always say, you know, I, I know, I know so many, you know, 12 year old adults, 14 year old adults, 16 year old adults. And I know a lot of 40 year old children and, and 45 year old children and 50 year old children. Um, they are very much adults in every sense of the word. They were, it was not even, um, you know, it was again, very open conversation. Look, man, here's this ranch check this out. I think this could be an amazing opportunity, but what do you guys think? And, and quite honestly, if they had all looked at it and broken down and been like, Oh my, you know, then we would have maybe thought something different. Um, but they were like, that's awesome. This could be great. Like, this is a great opportunity. We would love to try this. You know, it was automatically, there was their curiosity. We'd love to figure out, we'd love to learn how to raise those animals and those animals and those animals and to sell those animals. And then to, you know, grow these kind of things in the garden and to like, that sounds great, dad, let's roll, you know? And so, I mean, it was, there, there's been no, tr- you know, transitional issues at all. They can, they, they don't look at it like, um, that's another thing about their maturity is that, do they have friends in California? Of course. Do they miss their friends? Of course. They also have friends who aren't just 11, nine and six. They have friends who are 17. They have friends who are 28. They have friends who are 39. You know, they don't, they don't look at themselves as that. They understand the difference between being a kid and adult but they, they go, look, this is somebody I have a relationship with here. And so they know when they're here that they're going to make friends of, of all ages. They don't have that weird age separation thing. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. You did that. Uh, when I moved, I, I moved, I had a, I used to live in Berkeley and I moved to Santa Cruz, which is about 70 yep. miles down the road. And yep. um, I didn't, the, I lost something in Berkeley that I didn't even think about. I lost my friends and by, and by lost my friends, I mean, I'll give you just one example. There was a, a guy that I rode uh, 20 miles with every Saturday. Okay. We just rode bicycles. Yeah. Hard, hard ass ride. Every yeah. Saturday we met, we hooked up and we rode 20 miles. We came down the hill. We stopped at the beer garden. We had a beer. Yeah. And, and, and that's gone. And when, when I moved here five years ago, I, I haven't been on a bicycle since. Interesting. How does yeah. that, is that do you, is it like you, you miss it? Do you feel like you substituted something else? Has it not been a big I'm not deal? really, I'm not a miss person. I, yeah. I don't miss things, but there's a value there. That's like, um, that how much, the, like what value would I put on that? I don't know. $20 million. Yeah, totally. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Cass, Cat, what yep. was Cass's last name? Cass Golden. Yeah, just some dude I fucking met in my neighborhood, and for you know two years straight, every Saturday we rode twenty miles. I'd have never rode. I never, never like that's never going to happen again. But it it came and went, and so there were there were thirty of those things that were worth fucking a hundred million dollars each that I cannot that I cannot replace here. For sure, but and you got new things that you're going to do there though too, right? Yes. So if you're looking at it, you said thirty things that are worth you know fucking million dollars a piece. That's yeah. great, man. And you can always stick with that $30 million right there, or you can come over here. You still have those million dollar experiences over here and you get 30 new million dollar experiences over here too. So I don't think, you know, again, For there sure. are certain, so, you know, I, I just, I'm with you. I, you can, and, miss- and I do, I have stuff here that like I never had there, of course. Oh. Um, 
and I'm trying to take advantage of those things. So I'm like right down the street from the beach. So make sure like yeah. I'm just using the shit out of that. But with kids, it's even more different because my kid has this. So, so the other day I was in Newport beach and, um, and someone said, Hey, I'll let you live in this house for as long as you want with your family. It's a $6 million home sitting on the beach. Yours free. And the first thing I thought, Matt, was I don't want to take my kids away from their tennis coach. Yeah, yeah. That's like the first fucking thing that popped in my head. Yeah. Their tennis coach is cool as shit. He's strict as yeah. shit. Then then that has just has more value for you. You know, I don't right. think it, it, that nuance, right? I don't think yeah. But I, but I would have never, but I, but th- it's just interesting. I would have never thought of those things. And you picked up your family and you went to North Carolina. When you do that, do you weigh those things? I, I, I feel like I, um, before I had kids, I would have never known to weigh those things. Like, fuck it. It's my life. Who cares? Yeah. But, but yeah. now that I have kids, there's like, right. Cause you had a network of people. You had the person yes. who trained, you had, your kids had their jujitsu Academy, right? They had the person that they, every Saturday that they did this with, and they had these friends and, and those things are fucking hard to cultivate. Yeah. Yep. People you no. trust, right? Oh. All of a sudden, one day you leave your kids with someone and while you're at the store, you're like, oh my God, I've never left my kids with someone. I must really like yeah. this person. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a big it is. It's a big leap. Um, and we're not, um, we're very intentional in the way we live. Um, and we're very intentional about the things that we do. So it was, it was not a fly by the seat of our pants. Like once I saw the, once I saw the farm, once I saw the property, saw that it was available, I was pretty quick to get on a plane to come check it out. Um, and just to see, I wanted to physically see, I wanted to see the area. I wanted to explore it. I wanted to see if it was everything that I thought it was going to be as far as the physical, you know, obviously the physical structure of it and the pictures are, are doing it justice. I wanted to see all that stuff. But then when I came back, I mean, we weighed out all of that. It's okay. It's not just the, the, the act of moving over here. It is what are we leaving behind? What are we going to? Why are we going to this? Like, what is the big picture? And what is the kind of five years out? What do we think things are going to look like? Um, what do we want to do in terms of you know, again, cultivating new relationships. How does that look? And I'm, I'm fortunate enough, you know, especially within speaking and, and, um, you know, all the networks that I've gotten to create, I know somebody everywhere. So I know people here. Um, uh, you know, it's not like I didn't have people here that I, there's, I don't think there's any state that I could move to where I don't know somebody, um, which is, again, I'm very, I know I'm very fortunate, um, to have had that experience. So, you know, we knew some people here too. And, um, but we were very intentional. It was very much a planned deal. And again, we went to the kids and said, look, here's kind of what we're thinking. Is there anything we're missing? Is it, I mean, so it just made sense all around, man. And um, I don't regret a single moment of it. I love everybody still back there. I still stay con- you know, in contact with anybody. Of course, some people get, people are always going to get pissed if you do it. People probably got pissed that you left Berkeley. Yeah. You know, there was probably somebody that was mad about that. Um, right. So, of course, there were some people that were angry that, you know, that, the beer that, garden where I spent all my money for sure was mad. For sure they were. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, so, of course, you got some people that are upset, too, but that's that's OK. Um, you know, I understand. And again, that's their perspective. I'm not holding it against them. This was a good did move you, for us. A needed did, move. did you keep your house in California? Uh, we did not. Nope. We ended up we ended up selling that we were going to. Um, we were kind of kicking stuff around back and forth, but no, we ended up selling that. Um, 
which California prices are just, you know, I mean, are stupid anyways. And so, uh, was that hard? I know this is off subject a little bit, but, uh, was that, um, the thought I'm, I'm so attached to homes. They're so yeah. hard to get. And yeah. So when you get, whenever I get one, I'm just like, I'm holding on to this motherfucker. Like I even yeah, asked my I, wife when I lost my job, I'm like, Hey, I don't want to sell any of our homes. Can we live in a van with our kids? She's like, sure. Sure. sounds good. Yeah. I get yeah, it. Like I do not uh, want to lose a home. Was that hard? Um, it, I think because I have moved so many times I've deconditioned myself because I get that. I fully get it, you know, and I still, even when I'm back, so I grew up in Vacaville, right? So not, uh-huh. yep. Beautiful not all that spot. far. Yeah. Yep. Not all that far from me. Right. And so, um, and I'm barely ever, you know, I'm barely ever there. And there was a period of time where it was probably close to two decades that I hadn't been there, but I got to go speak there this last year um, for an initiative around, uh, young people. And, and it was really cool to go back and hadn't been there forever. And I absolutely drove by the couple of houses that I lived in while I was there, you know? And so there's, because, you know, it's the, the nostalgia around that and stuff too, but I've moved so many times that I understand, um, you know, I end up making memories. It's more about the, you know, it's the whole cliche of like, it's the memories you make while you're there and who you're with. And so, um, yes, it was, I loved that house and, and loved our little, you know, little mini ranch there, but, um, I knew what we were doing. The big picture outweighed it. When, when I, when I speak to my kids and I speak to all these people on the podcast and I've spoken just to tons of people, um, I start to realize that some people don't value the meaning of words as much as I do. Mm. And, and the reason why I value the meaning of words is because some things are in my head and some things are out in reality. And when you conflate the two is where almost all confusion begins and, and there's a breakdown in communication. And even yesterday when I'm listening to Will Willett, who I love to death, he's the he's the uh, handsome uh, dude uh, at PragerU who goes out to the campuses, you know, know have you had him on your podcast? Yeah, I've had Will on. uh, I've had Will on a couple of times. He can't wait to have him on. I hope he comes on. Good dude, man. Just I had him on just him and I and then I had him on. uh, He actually came on like a month ago to speak with the young men of Apogee. And I want to have you come on, too. I think that'd be phenomenal. Um, But, yeah, Will's a good guy. And then we were supposed to. Remember how I was supposed to, I was saying, I wanted to try to connect with you with the, when I was in, uh, in at the, the Bay. street parking thing. Yeah. So Will and I were supposed to be speaking at an event that weekend, um, there in the area. So he and I were supposed to be doing an event together and the event ended up getting canceled all, all together. So, um, but yeah, good guy. A video came out yesterday where, where he conflates, he, he uses, and, and a ton of people do this, and I, I don't understand why they're doing it. They're using the word gender instead of the word sex. Yeah. So gender is, is uh, and, and every time I hear the conversation, I'm like, it's so obvious to me what's going on. There, mm-hmm. Gender is your imagination. It's mm-hmm. something you can't share with anyone. It's, it's in between your ears. So, and sex is something on the outside that you and I can look at and be like, okay, that frog is a, uh, it's sex is male or that frog has both male and female parts or, or whatever. What do you think's going on with society that, um, to, you see smart people talking and, and they can't, um, they're not defining words. Yeah. And and Uh, so the communication is just missing. Yeah. And um, even when I bring it up on my show, people are like, oh, you're so stupid. Seven. Oh, it doesn't matter. Or they try to poo poo me. I'm like, uh, no, this is no, words. words your, your, your imaginary dragon in your head is different than that's yeah. Than, yeah. than this horny toad lizard sitting on this rock. It's not a dragon. Yeah. It's, no, it's a lizard. Words, it's a Northern California lizard. God, it's amazing. Words. I don't think this is accidental that we've got, you know, people and it's coming and it's coming down specifically. Um, 
intentionally hard from academia. Uh, you know, and again, I don't think that's unintentional. Words matter because words become your thoughts. Your thoughts. I mean, there's people when you say not intentionally, I mean, there's people trying to fuck shit up. Oh, I, I very much believe so. Otherwise, why get into like, this is a silly sort of thing, right? We processed animals. I have a processing facility on site at our ranch, right? So we had to process some animals yesterday. My kids wanted to be a part. That um, means turn them into food processed. Turn them into food. That's exactly okay. right. That means we started the day. They were alive and well. We had been feeding them. They ended the day. They are feeding us or somebody else. Okay. Right? And so my kids want to be part of that that process. They're all they've been a part since we've been here. A part of taking care of and raising and um, the birthing and and they've done all this, but they haven't gone into the processing hut yet to see that part. But they were curious and they go, you know what? We want to see this part. Like we think we're ready for it. We want to see it. We understand it. You know, we want to see what's going on, right? And so we went in there yesterday and and um it was just they were curious on the whole thing but they were curious every time we were processing one um we were doing rabbits yesterday and you can't tell a boy or a girl very easily but as you start to process it then it becomes very easy and so they were just very interested on okay is it a boy is it a girl um there wasn't a is it do, do you think it identifies as a do you think it it like again, <laughs> this is all imaginary crap. So I and I do think it's very intentional that you we've got people in academia specifically, and the goal of especially quote unquote higher ed right now is not. And again, I'm painting a broad stroke. So yes, there's good professors. Yes, there's good people. Yes, there's good people working at a lot of these universities, but you know, academia has become this really weird culture of mumbo jumbo and confusion and all of this um you know philosophy in area i'm all for philosophy but not in philosophy when there's things that are black and white you know like you said all this made up shit and it's just is this a, a ferrari or is this a van that crashed because we have to bring the jaws of life to it because it, a certain jaws of life will open up this van and one will open up this ferrari it's like the same thing with sex but but why are those people um are those people caterpillars and I'm a butterfly that they can't tell the distinction? Am I more enlightened than them that they can't tell the distinction between their thoughts and reality? Do, do you know uh, what I mean by that? Like I can, oh, I, I know, know red doesn't mean stop. I yeah. know that it's you and I have agreed upon it so we don't get in an accident. I'm willing to participate in that lie. It's cool. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not going to lie to myself and red actually means stop. Yeah. No, I think we just have a lot of broken people. <laughs> I think we have – I mean I think they're, you're either evil or broken I think if you're if you're perpetuating all of this stuff, you're either doing it intentionally to confuse the shit out of people and make sure that there is a natural division to make sure that you are confusing the next. Like my mission is to build strong young people so we don't have to fix so many fucking broken ones that are older. Right. I want to build strong people from the ground up. They can't be just cra- they've got this super solid foundation, so they can't be cracked. They can't be messed with. And then when they get older, they're strong people. They're the leaders that that we need. I think that's a far more efficient way to go about it than trying to fix the people broken later on. So I think these people are either evil enough to want to, you know, send those, that confusion down the line and really just create this perpetual um, influx of confused, sad individuals, or they are already these confused and sad individuals. I don't know anybody that is perpetuating the gender silliness and the gender nonsense um, Who's that happy? I would say is a happy person, man. Right. I, Right. Like I used to be one of them, though. Um, I used to be one of them in the sense that I towed. I I towed the line. 
I, but 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 I but I would I would say I was far from evil. Um, you know, like 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 I've always been the guy who would stop and pick pitch up pick up a hitchhiker, or um, I you know held the door open, or you know stood up anytime someone came to the table, or if if I'm in line, even if you, what you bought behind me, if we if I'm at the store and I only have twenty bucks and you're at the cash register and this sure. place only takes cash, I don't make you leave your shit there. I say sure. fuck it, I'm buying this dude's shit. This is fucked yeah, up. Totally. So I think there's probably far few that are in that evil range, and maybe there are, but maybe it's fear. Right. And it's not like there's a non there's, um, you know, the people that aren't happy that are perpetuating this. But I think so many people live in fear. And maybe that was a I think I was that. asleep. I don't know if that's a uh, maybe it was scared. I feel like I was asleep at the wheel. Maybe. You know what maybe. I mean? I feel like. Yeah. yeah. And just kind of following the status quo. Yeah. Like you told me being a vegan's healthy. I did it. You tell me being a carnivore is healthy. I just did it. Like just. Um, yeah. Yeah. And see, I don't, uh, I think to me, Do you think that that's is, the vast majority. Did they're just it is the vast majority, I think. And I think that is somewhat of a fear base because you don't want to challenge somebody else's, you know, what they told you, what they told you, the quote unquote. Yeah. Right. I wanted to be liked for sure. Right? You want to be yes. liked. You yes, want to like. value somebody else's opinion far more than ever developing your own. Um, and then you go through, you know, it's that whole, you know, you don't even realize you're a, you don't even realize you're a slave. You don't realize you're in a cage and you think the birds flying outside the cage are the crazy ones. You know, it's that whole, it's oh, that whole, shit. Oh, right. Shit. And so I think that's like, you know, I said the, the words, words are the easiest. If, as long as you're injecting fear into people and you have them valuing somebody else's opinions more than taking the time for them to create their own, you don't give them the opportunity to create their own through any kind of, of civil discourse, you know, let them understand how to explore logic. And then you start jumbling these words, like you're saying with gender and sex, and you start making things, you know, words matter because words become your thoughts, your thoughts become your beliefs, your beliefs become your actions, your actions become your habits and your habits become your character, right? So it starts that foundation is your words. And if you start making words confusing and not matter, well, you're shaking the foundation of character from the get go. Man, so it's a, it's a, it's very, it's strange, man. And so I don't, you know, um, there is a, there's a peace of mind that comes in not even engaging with some of the silly, some of this stuff where it's like, you know, I don't know if there was a whole group of, uh, a whole group of adults that was, you know, it was the, we believe in Santa Claus society. Like I'm not going to join the society because I don't want to take my time to, to try to argue back and forth on if Santa's real or not. I'm just like, dude, it's not a real thing. I don't want to waste my time on this kind of where I look at the whole gender thing, man. Like I don't, I get that there's some people that are really confused and broken on it. If somebody asks me my opinion I'm on it, I'm going to say, I don't even think it's an opinion based topic here. It is, but I'm not going to spend my time engaging back and forth too. God bless the people that will. Cause fuck to me, that's just, that's a waste of freaking waste of time and energy. It's crazy, but it is the backbone of academia right now. I mean, there's so much of this, so much of this conversation, you know? So, um, it's scary. What's well, one of the many reasons I don't, I'm not bullish on, uh, you know, quote unquote higher ed for so many people. I don't think it's needed, but I think there's so many agendas. And by the way, it gets pushed into your K through 12 now too. And it's going to be, so, um, that's just, that's one of the, that's some of the more obvious 
stuff that I think parents can't avoid by not doing the traditional conveyor belt schools is the agendas. And then you got the sneaky stuff is in terms of like your habits, you know? And so um, it's a weird ass world, man, where those are the things that, that we end up talking about. Did your kids cry when they were in the processing plant? Nope. No, nope. They didn't. Um, no, I, did you, no, I did think, you watch them? Like, uh, I'm assuming so sorry. I'm making the, the assumption oh, that they didn't go in there right away because it is heavy. Yep. Um, we wanted to be, because lives want, are ending in there, right? Lives are ending in right. there. That's exactly right. So we wanted to be efficient with it first before we even just made sure they knew like, Hey, if you guys ever want to be a part of that, come on in. Right. So we made sure we were good because it that that's a skill in and of itself, figuring out how to do it, how to do it properly. Um, you know, so we made sure that we were good at it first. And then, you know, we kind of offered it up and they're like, ah, that's interesting. I, I'd be interested Did you cry that. at all? Did you cry when you went and saw it? Um, no, I didn't. No. Um I have Life? A, uh she didn't. And she was she was unsure. I was pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, I've gone, you know, I've gone hunting, I've field dressed animals, I've I've had that experience a little bit. Um, we've had the conversations around, you know, being, being thankful and, and raising animals humanely and, and being thankful for the food they provide. And you know, we've had those conversations, my wife and I, our, our entire family. Um, she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to witness it and not be emotionally, yeah. shaken, you know, oh, so she, she did. Was, okay. So she did. Okay. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so that's what I was more worried about with the kids is like, look, it's different. You understand, you have an understanding. They know exactly what's going on. They know, they understand the ethics behind all of it and why we do what we do. And, um, the health component, you know, those are all conversations. They get that whole thing. Um, but they've never, there's a difference between that and then seeing it, you know? And so they've had, they've seen me like had, to, I've had to off a couple chickens that were sick or hurt and getting attacked. And like, they've been out there for that and they've been okay. And so this is a whole different deal. So I just made sure before every step, I'm like, okay, here's what this is going to be. Here's what this is going to look like. If you don't want to see this part, it's okay to go back, go back there. So my middle, they both, you know, like the rabbits are a specific process. So like they, they were all three were okay. When I actually dispatched the, the first kill, the breaking of the neck, very quick rabbit feels nothing. Just boom, it's done. They were all okay with that, but then you got to bleed, you got to bleed the rabbit out. My middle didn't want to see the first one I was doing. She's like, ah, I don't think so. And so she went around the other side. I'm like, no sweat. We did it. And she sort of started to tear up. And then she, but she told my wife, no, it's more like, I feel like I'm missing out. And we're like, you're not missing out. You'll have plenty of time. She's like, okay, I'm going to do it for the next one. And she came back around to watch the second one. And they watched, they watched us do like five yesterday. I, I mean, I mean, it's healthy. You're, you're, we're, we're just, I mean, the, the way I see the world, the way I see myself is I'm just a mirror. So anytime something is suffering or its life ends, I feel it's like a piece of me. I, I feel that. Sure. Totally. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's not, um, you know, we tried to, one of the rules in our, in our house, you know, the, the 11 kind of values that we have on there. One of those is to be an emotional ninja. And, and we kind of phrase it in that kind of funny terms, but that's the whole thing is to understand that emotions are not bad things. They're good things. They're things um, that are valuable, but you're, you've got to understand with intentionality how to control those emotions versus being controlled by the emotions. Um, and so this is one of those things where it's like, look, this is natural emotion to feel 
there's a loss of life that is happening here. And so there's a balance between feeling for the loss of life and respecting that um, versus being super grateful and, and the gratitude that we have around being able to provide for our family. And, and, you know, so it's figuring out how to balance that out and people say, Oh, that's too high level of concept for kids. That's horseshit. Um, they get that man. In a lot of ways they get it more than we do if we don't dumb it out of them. Um, and, and it doesn't be, matter if they don't get it either doesn't matter it's irrelevant you're right and they may get it one way now and they may get it one way when they're 40 and then they may get it one way when they're 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 gonna they're gonna get it one way when they're when they have their heart broken when their toy breaks then when they're 16 and their girlfriend dumps them that's gonna be a different kind of experience with it and then when their mommy and daddy die when they're 60 years old that's gonna be another it's gonna evolve right you're exactly right yeah you're exactly right it doesn't it does not matter Yep. I, I loved with reckless abandon as a kid from kindergarten yeah. to, to the girls in kindergarten to, to my wife and my kids. And yeah. because of that, I, 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 I hurt a lot um, emotionally and, um, and I tell people, and that's how I became an emotional ninja. Yeah. That's how I became so intimate with emotions. It's it's like what you were saying. It's like working out. If you yeah. avoid getting hurt, or or like um, the example I like to give is there was a girl in college, and one of them, and she was she was a foreign exchange student, and she was leaving in two weeks. And one of my friends was in love with her. I'm like, dude, let's go to that party where that chick's at. He's like, dude, yeah. she's leaving in two weeks. I'm like, so what? I'm like, just fucking make every second count with her. He goes, no, I don't want to be hurt. I'm so I like her so much. I'm like, dude, we could die in an earthquake tomorrow. Are you out yeah. of your fucking mind? Go over there and fucking like dive in and get your heart broken. Who gives a shit? That's an inch. And that's right. Like, Oh man, no, I agree. Do you think it's, um, so, you know, mine was out of ignorance. That's why I did it. I was out of ignorance. Have it, has it, has that, has that process shifted for you? Right. So like now, like you still love with reckless abandon, you have the potential to get hurt, but does that allow you to then take that and go, you know, put a perspective to that hurt and go, look, that's just part of the process. I'm okay. And so then it hurts yes. less, yes. you know what I mean? Like, because you've actually had that experience. And because I'm a butterfly and not a caterpillar, I can watch things now. Yeah. I, I can watch my, I'm not confused by my thought. I'm not confused about what's going on in here. I'm not saying I don't ever get overwhelmed and taken over by it. I'm not saying when someone cuts me off, I never flip anyone off, but 99% of the time I watch that and I watch it then turn into say hi to them. And then I watch it turn into, Oh, I'm glad we didn't get into an act. I just watch. I'm a, I can watch now. I'm a cat. I'm a butterfly. I can watch the dumbass caterpillar inside of me. And so emotions, but emotions move fast. Yeah. So they'll grab you. If you're not, you got to be on guard. Yep. Absolutely. But that's hyper aware. That's, yeah. that's, um, I, I think that is a, a level of self mastery that I think all of us can, can get to and should try to get to that ability to detach. We have, we've had, um, but you won't cultivate that unless you, you, every time you get hurt, it's a rep. You have to be oh, appreciative yeah. and be like, okay, I learned something a little bit from that one. Yes. Right? You've got to be intentional yeah. about it. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. We've had, um, I had Carlos Mendez, Leif, Leif Babin, um, some of the echelon front guys, um, had them come teach come talk to my, um, to my staff at, at a few of my schools, um, which was really cool. And they did it. They, Carlos did a, a phenomenal job. We've had Leif on the, uh, on the Apogee calls, did a great job with the young guys. And I like, that's one of my favorite things they talk about is that ability to detach as a leader. You know, the fact that we're all leaders and there's the 
as a leader, we have to have that ability to do what you said and kind of like what you said, you know, kind of the butterfly and you can kind of watch all of that. You got to be able to remove yourself emotionally from the situation so that you can go, okay, well, what is, what is the correct response as far as I see it right now without emotions clouding that whole, that whole thing. But it's, you're right. You got to put in the reps, man. Got to put in the reps and nobody, people aren't just, people aren't just, People aren't proactive. People are not proactive about the way they live, the way they think. Everybody's reactive. Again, it goes back to that kind of like you're in that cage and it's the it's the fear. And if somebody say, I'm just going to go along with the status quo, I'm going to, you know, people are reactive. Um, and I just, I think that's, I think that's part of the reason people are so freaking, you know. If you, if you're wondering if you're doing bad parenting or good parenting, if you're on the more reactive side, then you're bad parenting. I think okay. that's like a, lit, a litmus test. I don't know if it's a hundred percent true, but yep. being non-reactive is the secret in my book to parenting. Just lots of just like, Oh shit. Just watch my own noise in my head. Don't do shit. Totally. <laughs> don't project that onto my kids. Be chill, uh, be chill. 100%, man. And one of the, yeah. honestly, one of the favorite, so I've gotten to do, I don't know, what do I, I've done 150, 150 some odd episodes, I think, of the, of the podcast. Um, I remember your, your episode 89. You, I got, there's specific ones that I remember, very, very specific, but that is one piece of that episode where you talked about how parents need to not react on certain things. And that is their job is to, you know, and I think you framed it some way of like, you got to stop, you know, a kid falls down, they get hurt. Your job is not to react to that. Your job is to stop, to look around, to make sure they're not in danger, make sure no bears are coming out of the woods to come eat them. And you don't rob them of that rep of getting that air squat to stand up. You don't rob them of that opportunity to dust themselves off and to see themselves as resilient, right? That was, I think it's one of the most powerful things anybody's ever said on the podcast. I could not agree with it uh, any more than than I do. I think that's powerful. I shit you not. I'm not saying this to be fucking cute and neither is Matt. I'm not fucking around. My kid, I walked him every day and he fell down 500 times a day. And while you kept your kid in a stroller or in a pack in the front because you were in a hurry to get somewhere or because grandma and grandpa or you ran over and picked your kid up, my kid did 500 air squats a day when your kid didn't. By the time my kid was three years old, he had done – 45,000 air squats and your kid had only done 500. There you go. How much better is my kid than your kid? I'm saying it. My wife's going to hate me for that. But it's the fucking truth. My kid is better than your kid because he did 44,500 more air squats than yours in his first two and a half years. And I didn't have to do shit. I had Jeremy Kinnick on here. The um, he, he's big into homeschooling, and uh-huh. he wrote something on his Instagram that fucking exploded my brain. Because people ask me all the time, "What should I do to start training my kid?" And I'll write him out these long things. But Jeremy yeah. said it in one sentence. What do you say? When you're if, if, in the first six years of your kid's life, if they're yeah. outside eighty percent of the time, that's all you need to do. I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" Yeah. It's true. Eighty yep. percent of the waking hours, your kid should be fucking outside. But Sevon, it snows here. I don't give a fuck. Good, good, I don't care. Yep. And that is that's Dude, the gold. Kid. That's the gold standard. He's going to get strong. He's going to get smart. He's going to learn math. He's going to see bugs. He's going to get biology. He's going to get history. He's going to get social interaction. He's going to get everything if you have your kid outside eighty percent of the time. I was like, wow, it's that fucking easy. That easy, and he's going to start to develop what's going on in here. He's going to start yeah. to develop that ability to be resilient on his own. He's going to start he's to outside. 
That's right. He's outside and he's going to fall down. He's going to get hurt. And he's going to be like, oh shit, nobody else is around. I'm not going to drag this out. Like, let's go. Cause I got playing to do. I got a mission to accomplish. He's right? going to see is- dad help a woman with her groceries. He's going to see yep. dad pick him up when a, when a dog barks at him. He's going to yep. see, and he's going to learn all the nuances of. I love it, man. I love it. So good. So good, man. Yeah. And that's, that's it. That's the intent. The intentionality around parenting doesn't mean complexity. It just means, right. you no, know, it's, it's not about adding more and more shit. It's about stripping away the bullshit. Yeah. It's that. It's not adding, it's stripping it away. It's about getting back to the basic stuff. That's exactly. Hey, even at 50, my, I always yeah. tell people now my life is only, my life gets better every time I get rid of something. Yep. yep. Stripping. It's about taking, throwing shit away. Strip it away. Strip, strip it away. I was so, uh, you know, Brent, uh, Ben Greenfield. I, I know of him. I don't know him. Okay. So Ben, uh, he's the guy, he does the voiceover for, for he's a, uh, is he, is he a comedian? No, Ben is, um, ben Oh, he's is, the dude with the two kids. He snorts tobacco. That dude, two guys, he might, man, he does all kinds of crazy stuff. He'll do, he'll do some weird stuff in the name of like health and fitness, do some weird experimentation. Yes. Okay. Uh, I know who he is. Right? Yeah. 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 He's a super ultra fit dude. He's a super smart guy. Um, like almost too, almost too smart where it's like, Oh, maybe you're not human. Maybe. Um, but like interesting dude, so, but a uh, super cool guy. Um, and he reached out and he's got two twins and he's going to, um, put them yes, in, the, I know. Uh, yep. in the Apogee program. Right. And so I was like, God's oh, awesome, man. That sounds great. Here's how, you know, it gets going. And what I, what I thought was super interesting because he's very intentional, obviously about being proactive because he is, um, He's always trying something. He's experimenting with stuff. He's experimenting on himself. He's documenting. He's like, he's just very, very intentional. Shot me this email. I was like, Hey, I want to get this going. I'm like, all right, cool. Here's what's happening. And then immediately it was his assistant that was coming in, even just to talk about how do you like, how do you pay for this program? How do you get this? It wasn't even him. He is outsourced. He's outsourced. Even that, even just that basic, I'm signing my kids up for something. He's like, cool, man. Well, this isn't something that needs my direct attention. Here you go. And the more and more people I interact with that I know are really, really proactive about their life and very intentional about what they do, the more I'm seeing that too. They strip away everything that is taking time away from what, you know, they deem is necessary. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's a pretty intense, awesome skill to cultivate. Um, I, I had my uh, Instagram account shut down three days ago. I was gonna I, ask you, did you? Yeah, yeah. They just it just gone, and um, I have this other Instagram account, and I actually thought this morning, maybe I'm not gonna run my own Instagram account anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, easy enough to like, do. Yeah, maybe I'll just give my. Maybe I'll just get like give the, my Instagram account to the person who does the Instagram account for the podcast. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just pro pros and cons. What is the, is there, you know, the pluses, the minuses, what is, is there anything you're gaining out of that? Or is it easy enough to just, you know, get, get back? I just back? like it because I can communicate. Oh shit. Speaking of which I can't fuck. So how about the fucking irony of this? First of all, I, I want to show you something really quick. I want to show you yeah. something real quick. This is some fucked up shit. You're I'm about to show you. I, I hope you're going to be like Sevon. You're a dipshit. You, you, you're spelling my name wrong. But I, but I want to. I want to show you something here. Oh no, you're probably right. I want to show you something. Um, let's see, Instagram. Okay, so here's Instagram.com. Oh, look at it's got, it's got your old it, account in there. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh man, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna do this? <laughs> I, can't, I can't go to any of your fucking account. Uh, a- anyway, when I type in your name, yeah, your account won't your account won't even show up. M a t t b e a u d r e a u. Yeah. Your account won't pop up, but four or five fake accounts will pop up, and they have yep. shitloads of followers. Yep. One of the accounts it. has 5,000 followers, and this morning you DM'd me asking me if I want to get involved with Bitcoin with you. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember doing that? It sure as hell wasn't <laughs> me, dude. I know. I Fucking know. crazy. There's new ones. There's new each week, and I know I'm not the only person that has that going on, but there are new accounts each week, and people will always you know, send it. What sucks is that they are. They're DMing people talking about you know, getting involved in, in uh, crypto and all these different things, man. And it's, um, you know, I feel bad. Some people are jumping in and they're like, oh, interesting, you know, whatever. Hey, they've completely rebuilt your account. 100%. It has all your posts and shit. It's got all my posts, dude. It's got my pictures. Like, I don't, it's it's amazing. And I've reported, I've reported a ton of them. Instagram always comes back and goes, they're not violating any sort of standard, you know, but I post a fucking Harriet Tubman quote and it's like, we're fact-checking this. If you keep posting things like this, we're going to shut your account down. Um, that's a I didn't get any warnings, by the way. I didn't get any warnings. Did you not? No? Nope. Yeah, I asked one of my friends. I was like, he's one of my, I asked one of my friends. I'm like, fuck, I have no idea why they shut me down. He goes, dude, everything you post is the reason they shut you down. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, man. Totally. I mean, that's. I want to read this to you. Um, so the, the DM came in and says, hello, brother. And I thought it was you. And yeah. I said, hey, they shut down my other account. And I said that because I thought you were just like checking in because to make sure it was a new account. Yeah. And then you wrote to me, it, ha- it happens sometimes, bro. Sorry to hit you up from the blue. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. I have a yeah. podcast with him in a half hour. He's not hitting me up from the blue. Uh-huh. I'm hoping you could lend me your time for a brief chat. I'm contacting you in respect to a business proposal. I might believe you might find interesting. And then I know it's not you. So I write back, of course, anything for you, man. <laughs> then he goes on to tell me about how he wants me to go into Bitcoin. I said, dude, anything to help you out. I'll call and we can talk. And now he just wrote this to me. No need for a call. My idea is to build a solid capital base for investors by helping trades and blah, blah, blah. I guess you, and then he always writes at the end, I guess you'd like to know more. Oh, my God. So it's not, this dude's not even American. I mean, it's not an American thing. No, no, it's not. Yeah, but it's, look it. That's so funny. And he's got my name spelled right, and then he's got a dot and an underscore afterwards. Yeah, good eyes. You saw that? Yeah. So, wow, dude. That's so, yeah. I mean, so I, it's it's amazing. Um, and again, I'll report it, man. And Instagram's like, oh, they're not violating anything. Okay. Cool. I reported it, and they said, and they said, is this a celebrity account? And I said, yes, celebrity account. And then it kicked me back. Like for some, like they wouldn't let me report you as a celebrity account. I had to put uh, something else. I was like, yeah. dude, he, he has, he's, he's affiliated with schools in fucking uh, 26 countries, 300 schools. I think that counts as a celebrity account. No, you gotta have, you gotta have the, you gotta, you gotta have, have fake titties and a big old booty. That's right. Well, maybe that's what I got to get, man. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's next on the agenda. I know it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. That sucks that you got shut down. It's a well, the only reason it sucks is because that blue check mark, you yeah. know, I it, when when a blue check mark pops into someone's inbox, like like I had Patrick Bed David on. Do you know who that is? Oh, I've had Patrick on. Yeah. Okay. And like yep. he would have never fucking responded to me, I bet you, if I didn't have a blue check mark. Yeah, maybe. And, yeah. And like and, and what a what an honor it was to have him. So 
Um, We're going to, Tim and I are, are, depending on Tim's schedule, uh, we may go out to Florida and, um, and do Patrick's uh, podcast. Podcast? Oh, he moved the whole, he moved the whole shebang there. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a cool dude, man. That guy's a good, that guy's a good guy. He was on the podcast and I remember one of the most poignant things he said, um, which I appreciated, you know, I appreciate it greatly too. He's like, hey, look, if you, if you were talking about schools and he's like, look, if you've gone through this conveyor belt school system and you peaked in high school, you lost at life. You suck. You know? Oh going, shit. Oh shit. And I was like, yep, that's it, man. Cause so many people resting on, ah, oh, God, I want, you know, cause I get that all the time from parents, man. Cause I want, ah, oh, but I had such a great time in high school, man. I just prom was great. The football games were great. And, uh, and then, you know, they don't talk about how they haven't really dug the, the next 30 years of their life. Um, they haven't been super stoked about that, but shit, they'll hang on to those four years and want to put their kids back through that same thing to get those experiences, sacrificing the rest of their life for it. Um, and Patrick called that out. So I appreciated that. Hey, I, I have friends who peaked in high school. For sure. Tons of them. I never even thought of it worded like that. What great. 4.0 went to Berkeley, went to Stanford, went to UCLA and then, and then, and then their, their lives, you know, you said something in that podcast too, that was, I don't know if it really affected me, but it was my life, but I think I was too stupid for it to affect me. Thank God. Or too naive, but basically everything was put on my education. And yep. up until third grade, I was the smartest kid in my school. Like I, like yep. I was fucking like a genius and I knew it and I was smarter than everyone. And then in the third grade, something happened and it went yep. to a steep decline all the way to my senior year. I was yeah. the dumbest kid in the school. Something just mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. and I fell behind and I could never get caught up in, in my, even though I loved school, I loved the, the social part. I hated academia and it was yep. brutal on me. It destroyed my relationship with my mom, my dad. It, it, was, it, it yep. fucking made life miserable. Right. And yeah. then I ended up, um, no, no one ever once was like, Hey, don't worry about that. You might be good at this. Right. That's it. And you're a brilliant human being. And no one ever said not, not one time did anyone ever it's. And when you were talking yesterday in that podcast, I was like, Holy fuck. It's like this. I hate, I love my dad. My parents gave me love, which is like, I'm so lucky, like real so, love. Yeah. Um, but my dad, for my dad in my life has told me a thousand times the difference of how to use lay and lie because I use them wrong. I uh, lie down, I lay down. Yeah. But he always says the exact same thing, and he's never tried something new, which makes me realize he doesn't even care if I learn it. That's not yeah. – it, it's – um. Yeah. yeah. It's just, 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 just habit. autopilot nonsense bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, just this habit. It also should eventually get everybody to realize that it probably doesn't matter that much either. Well, I'd like to. I'd like to have mastery over the English language. I, sure. I, I appreciate him sure. taking the time, but um, but you're but right. It's uh, lay and lie, but you're happy and you don't get along with your wife and your kids think you're a shitbag. Oh, you know yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. I would trade that out. <laughs> and you don't know uh, the difference between and you use the word sex and gender interchangeably and add to the confusion. That's the other thing too. There's no yeah. homeostasis. It's not just that you don't know the difference. You interchange gender and sex. You're actually adding to the problem. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're adding to the confusion. That's 100% you're adding right. to the confusion. And, you know, and, and going back to what you're saying earlier, that is um, third, the, the, that third grade, which is super, so it's right about that eight years old ish, 
what happens is there's a there's kind of these develop you know developmental phases. So it's roughly about eight years old. You kind of step into another sort of developmental phase in, in terms of learning and and your capacity to think at a little bit of a higher level and and kind of what you're interested in and figuring some things out about yourself and you kind of stepping into this. And so that is, and almost always subconsciously, but it's about the time where a young person realizes if they're in a conveyor belt school system, they kind of realize that they're in this specific game or the specific system that they're playing. Um, They kind of come to that realization right about there. And I've seen this, you know, and people, Oh, where's the, where's the, where's the studies around this? I don't know. Maybe there's some, maybe there aren't. Um, I'll tell you, my studies are two decades in academia with thousands and thousands of young people and having this conversation with parents and young people over and over and over again. There's my study. If you don't that like was that, was a teacher in private schools. He was a teacher in public schools. He was an administrator in private schools. He was an administrator in public schools. Uh, yep. He was involved with Stanford University for people who do need credentials. Okay, go on. Sorry. So at eight years yep. old. Oh, totally. So it's right about that time where they start to realize that game and they just start to figure out where they are in that game. So they'll start to take on. Ooh, okay. I've kind of, and I, I remember, I remember figuring that out and going, okay, cool. I can play this game. I know how to do this. And so I got my, you know, I got all my good grades because I figured out very early, well, there's a specific game. There's a specific way to get your grades on this kind of stuff. Not that I learned anything. I was just, I just had the wherewithal to go, okay, well, here's how you play the game to get the marks that makes all the adults happy. That makes the teacher go, you're a good little boy. makes your parents go, way to go, you're so smart. Like I just figured out how to play that game. But there are people who at that point go, ooh, I don't really get the game or I get the game and I don't really give a shit about the game, right? And so you got all of these kind of different, they happens right around then and it usually ends up impacting kind of the trajectory of how well you do in school, which as you allude to kind of, you know, uh, plays into all of these other relationships. Um, and the point that I always try to make is look, if we're in a system that is inherently putting people in that game, whether you learned to play the game or not, people say, well, I went to school and I, you know, conveyor belt school, I turned out fine. My kids are going there and turn out fine. First of all, fine sucks. Second of all, you can be fine in that system because you figured out how to play the game and it doesn't mean you know shit. And actually, you still just stayed in there and you developed all kinds of bad habits that don't actually transfer into anything successful later on in life. And, and that's that's a problem. And all, default default setting for a human being is genius. Default setting. If you're not messing them up, if you're not putting in some sort of you know physical abuse, you're not putting in um, you know medications and and a bunch of garbage that messes up a kid's. Um, you know, biology, if you're not screwing with all that kind of stuff, genius is the natural default. So you you don't believe what Matt's saying right now, at least recognize this. We started the show where he defined what an educator is, and he defined an educator as someone who believes in other people at their foundation. And so what he's letting you know right now is that he thinks the default status of all human beings is genius. So even if you don't believe that, we already know that he's an educator. Now, who the fuck would you want to be around? Someone who thinks that or someone who doesn't think that? They're both, they're, they're, they're both thoughts. They're both just thoughts. I'll be with the guy who thinks that everyone's a genius at their default. Okay, sorry. Go on. Potential. We, you know he what, believes – these are the people you want around your fucking kids. They believe in your – and your kids will live up to that shit. And the okay, sorry, system, sorry. I had to – No, man. No, I appreciate that very much because the system of schooling 
the system of schooling, the soulless, I'm not talking about teachers. Again, I had good teachers, good administrators. There are so many good humans out there. I support all of you, but the system of conveyor belt schooling does not care if your young hero is a genius or not. They don't, they don't make it. There's no distinction. It's kind of like that computer. The computer can't, um, you know, the computer is always going to be about answers, right? The computer is never going to say, I don't know. Well, that soulless system is going to say, look, here is the narrow definition of how you do well within the confines of our walls. And so unless you are playing this game of being blindly obedient, of following directions, of changing your thought process at the sound of a bell, of going where you're told, when you're told to be there, of regurgitating the specific information at a very specific time, very conveyor belt style, unless you do that, well, then we're going to start kicking out these things saying something is wrong with you or you're behind or just as dangerous. Um, they will tell you, oh, you're extremely smart. And what that usually means is you're good at regurgitating academia and you're really, really obedient. Yeah. Oh, you're a model student. And guess what? Those model students a lot of times end up having a really hard time when they go into the real world that doesn't give a shit that they got straight A's yeah. and wants resilience and they want to see competence and they want to see, you know, your ability to actually do something, your ability to adapt. Well, you haven't developed any of those. You haven't. Well, you know what? These, these, these people at the top of these fucking companies though, Matt, they have their own vernacular that they learned when they became a Stanford MBA. And, and of course they're dipshits and they don't know how to run their company, but they know how to run their company. They've taught themselves their own language. Mm. I, I give you a perfect example. The two most eminently capable fucking human beings who work at CrossFit Inc., mm -hmm. which I think CrossFit is one of the greatest gifts ever given to humanity, but by Greg Glassman, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's a it's a methodology and an ideology and a lifestyle that allows people to become independent. It, it, yep. It's the seeds of all independence to make you capable to let your DNA express itself in the most fullest essence ever. They have fucking. I don't know if they're morons. I was going to say that out of emotional frustration. They have people at the top who who don't have the intellectual capacity to understand what they're running, and they're only there because of their degrees and their previous experiences in the world of the people who bought the company. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're Harvard, Yale, Stanford MBAs. They don't. They don't even know what they don't know. They're so I'll give you the. They're so fucking crazy. They think they bought Harley Davidson. A motorcycle manufacturing plant that's there to make money and sell a brand, but they bought the fucking Hells Angels. There is no motorcycle plant. There's not. It's not at all. It's a fucking, it's just a lifestyle of dudes wearing leather jackets, delivering meth up and down the western coast of the United States. That's all it is. Yeah. And um, and they don't even have the intellectual capacity to realize it, so they can't make use of it. They can't deliver the meth. They can't get it done. And yeah. so um, so I, I get a little uh, – is that true what you said? Like, are the kids who come out like, like we're, we're stuck being entrepreneurs. We can never be cogs. I can right. never become the CEO, even though I would be better a thousand times better at it, better in every way, help more people, make more money, do better for the world, be more honest, everything. But I can't because I don't speak their language of, uh, um, return on investment ROI. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah just the, so the heart. How do I, how do I jump that? How, how, like we're, te you're telling kids like, um, I'm just pushing back here a little bit. You're telling kids, Hey, you don't have to do this route, but if you don't, you can't, um, you can't play with those kids. You got to make yeah. your own shit. 
why would I want to play with those kids anyways? I'd rather make my own shit, but I, I get what right. you're saying. I think, right. I right. think, I think the reality is you could do, if you, if you, if you kind of foster that um, entrepreneurial DNA, right. And I, I get, um, we get a lot of people pushing back on our schools and ah, guy, cause we have every one of our kids starts. Um, they all, they all start businesses five years old to 18 years old. They're starting. Yeah, you business. have a business fair, which is amazing. Exactly. Right. So they're either, they're either starting one every year or they're taking their existing business. that's making some money into perpetuity. So when they're doing that, we get a lot of pushback. Say, oh, God, you, you just think everybody should be an entrepreneur. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think everybody's got the entrepreneurial DNA. I don't think everybody should be an entrepreneur. But I think if you have that, you have more of a chance of understanding what your gifts are, what that genius actually is, right? You actually have some self-awareness and some self-confidence. So then if you want to go play into that corporate, you want to go play into that corporate game? Okay, well, I can go play that corporate game. I can see where I fit in there. I'm freely choosing to play this corporate game. I'll freely choose to deal with all the the bureaucratic, you know, BS, I'll, I'll freely choose to, to deal with the delusional and, you know, Harvard MBA that's running the show. Um, I'll freely choose to try to figure out how to navigate and adapt in there, or I can freely choose to do the other thing. I think if you go through the conveyor belt school, you're more apt to just, first of all, you have no idea how to run your own shit. Second of all, you'll just go in there and you'll be the cog in there and you'll never actually figure out what your genius is. You'll never actually be super um you know you don't get to that peace that's that self-awareness that happiness that self-confidence you don't get there because you're just continuously going along the path that somebody else has written for you yeah Yeah. bystander in your own life you know other people are writing the script they're making you a background character in your own life versus over here i've got the pen i'm writing my story and if i want to write my story where i go in and work for some dipshit I can write my story that way. That's great. Right. Or I can write it where I'm the hero of my own story and go do my other thing. But I, I don't, you can't, I don't think you can come through. Can I won't say can't. I think it's much more difficult to be trained in the habits of 12 years, 16 years, whatever it is of follow somebody else's script. And then at the end of that go, okay, now I'm going to write my own script. I think that's a much more difficult thing. You know, I really do. I don't think that happens very often. And, and those people I see who are plugged in as those cogs, their lives look like they suck. Man, even the, e- even the rich ones, even the rich. So I tell this story sometimes, man. I was when I got to you know because I did a lot of uh, a lot of traveling, a lot of speaking, um, and got to work with some amazing companies. Got to work with some really cool brands, some really cool organizations. Got to meet some really cool people. And I was speaking to uh, a group. It was a group of banks. Uh, in the Midwest, it was a family-owned group of banks, community banks, and um, we, we were flying around on on these jets, and and uh, the company jet, private jet, owned by the CEO, we're on these jets, dude. We we're in, making this trip, and the CEO broke down on one of these on one of these things, and he was he was crying, and he was talking about how much he had just kind of followed along the path that had been laid out for him, and he did the school thing, and he got his grades and he came into the company business because that's what he was supposed to do. And he took over because that's what he's supposed to do. He's uber wealthy. We're on his freaking jet. Um, but he was, he was, you know, crying about the fact that he just did not like the way his life had turned out. And he had just gone ahead and let somebody else write the story for him. And so he was really upset about that at his core. And he was probably about 50 years old at the time. Um, and we landed and he went over into the bathroom and I ended up getting into a conversation with a, with a mechanic at this little private airfield. Um, and the guy was 40 years old at the time. Um, 
and was telling me he was two weeks away from retirement because he had always known he'd always had this love for for airplanes. He'd always had this love for just you know working with all things mechanical. He went straight from 18, graduated high school, went and learned how to work on these planes and had been working at these little private airfields, just enjoying the hell out of his life for 22 years, fixing these little private airplanes, had banked away a shit ton of his money, had purchased a bunch of real estate. And he's like, man, I make so much passive income. I'm done. He's ridiculously happy retiring at 40. I got 50 year old multimillionaire that's crying about how his life turned out. Right. We have those choices. And again, why don't we present all of these choices and options and keep the wonder of the world out there for our young kids? And, and, you know, and that's one of the irony uh, statements that I, I hate because we have so many adults, you know, that want to tell the kids and they, they mean it from an altruistic standpoint, you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want to do, but then the kids also watch them bitch and moan about their own life and, and how their job sucks and how their life sucks and how they're not in the shape they want and how the relationship with this person's broken. How we've, so then the kid's going, okay, well, you're telling me I can be anything, but I'm looking at you. It doesn't look like that's actually the case. So I'm seeing yeah. hypocrisy here, right? So the kid's calling bullshit right away. And it's de-incentivizing being an adult. Kids don't even want to become adults now. Why? Because adults are freaking fear-based. Re- adults are sad. Adults are always arguing with other adults. Adults are always distracted. Adults are, why would I want to be an adult? It looks like a shit gig. You know, we've man, be- that was I was so glad when I realized that I didn't ever had to be an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get to define what it is. That's the beauty. Um, have you do you, do you follow this? The, the CEO of uh, Insta of Instagram. Do you follow that guy? Man, you want to see? You want to? I, I don't. His I forget his name. Most senior or something. But I follow him, and it is so. Every post is so. I mean, you described him. I bet you that guy cries himself to sleep every night. It's bad. It's is really, it? really. Oh, it's so bad. It's so. Yeah. It's so bad. Um, but but one of the, I, the the post that stands out the most is he he must live in San Francisco and it shows him riding bikes in San Francisco in, in Golden Gate Park, one of the most beautiful places you could be yeah. on the planet. And him and his kids are riding bikes and they all have masks on. But if you if you saw the the wokeness echo chamber he lives in of delusion, yeah. it, it 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 must be his life must be brutal. And I'm sure he's being compensated greatly, right? So he's sure, having yeah. to. Oh, it's so bad. It's so sad. I feel part of me feels so bad for him. Um, And then he gets to, but he gets his brown, you know, the fear became, you know, has has become really not just in these last couple of years, but in the last decade or so, fear has become a virtue. Um, You know, wokeness is, is. What do you mean by that? Fears become a virtue. Like, like, so it's it's respected. it's become respected, right? It's been put on this pedestal, right? It's a whole wow, wow. I never even thought so of it. It is shit. so it's so ingrained. So it's you're encouraged to embrace that virtue because you know everybody else in your circle is is applauding. I don't you know one it. successful person who's embraced fear. Every successful person I know has faced fear. I just had Jalen Turner on, a UFC fighter, uh, yeah. and uh, and he and he said that as a kid he was afraid of spiders and he faced it. He went out of his right. way and got a spider. And right. I mean, he's like, that's the premise of his whole life now. That's it. <laughs> I'm that's just exactly like, that's exactly it. Yep. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's it's a backwards. 
it's it's backwards. And I and I don't pretend that school's the only place we got here, or that you know bad parenting is the only only avenue that got us here. But I think I think it's multifaceted. But I think both of those. Uh, so you show your fear to kind of show. That's like the same way. Like I would um. I turn up my radio really loud when I drove down the street to show off my radio. You're saying some people will show their fear in order to get acceptance from their peers. That's right, man. That's right. And it's like this culture of, um, show That's off fucking that nuts to me. I never even thought of that. Show off that you're sad, right? Because what's, you know, mental health is a, is a giant buzzword and I'm not knocking people being mentally healthy. Um, I just tend to end up usually disagreeing with people on how to get mentally healthy, but, um, you know, the mental health is the buzzword, right? So it's, it is virtuous now in, in a lot of these arenas to show how sad you are. And if I can get online and show people that I'm crying, uh, and then I'm going to show them that I'm crying. I'm going to show them that I'm sad. I'm going to show them I'm sad about whatever I'm supposed to be sad about for the time. I'm sad for Ukraine or I'm sad for whatever I'm being told to be sad about. I'm going to show you how sad I am so that I can get extra virtue points and brownie points. And, um, you know, they do that with sadness and with fear and with, um, you know, it's cool to be, you know, it's cool to be depressed because it just gets people going, oh gosh, you know, that's, it's people used to, you know, at least, and again, this may be just the old naive guy talking with a freaking white beard that feels like people used to be enamored by, um, you know, achievement, and accomplishment and facing fears and overcoming um, and being victorious. And, you know, I mean, I think back to the movies we watched when we were kids, right? And I was talking about this with some people the other day, but like, you know, the the Rockies and the, and, you know, you look at Schwarzenegger movies and you look at those things, these guys were like, these guys were big, these guys were jacked, these guys were capable, these guys were overcoming, these guys were beating the bad guys, they were beating the odds, they were beating all this. And, and culturally, I feel like that was us. And now we're kind of like enamored by, oh no, you know, it's, if you're the victim, um, you're the best. And I just, that's, that's a, it's a weird, it's a weird state. Fucking bizarre. It is, dude. Hey, hey, last time I had you on the show, we both had to go to the bathroom. Are you okay right now? (laughs) I, dude, I thought about that. I'm like, I've got one cup of coffee. I peed right before I came in. Okay, good. Uh, Me too. You're good. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Um, I was in the studio just, and I was like, man, I'm about to piss my pants. Yeah. I, I, I normally um uh, stop at 90 minutes, but, but I, I would like to keep you longer, but if at any time you have to go, just tell me, no, I won't be phased. Yeah. I made sure, man, I have got, um, I'm on another podcast at 2 PM my time. So I am, we are way good. I want it to be open to whatever, whatever, and wherever you want it to go, man, whatever serves you best. Let's talk about um religion. Let's talk about um, – uh, so, so you have these 11 rules. For those of you who don't yeah. know, you can go back and listen to the other podcast. But there's these 11 uh, values. Sorry, let's say call them values. These 11 values, these 11 things that your family um, has sat down and came together with, and you have them written on the wall somewhere at your house. And one of them is um, – uh, and I can't pull it up on your Instagram because I – because my Instagram is fucked. But it's called uh, Memento Mori, and it's yep. You Will Die. And I want to and I want to tie this in with um, the fact that your kids saw those rabbits get slaughtered. And I want to talk to tie this in with um, religion. Um, what do you think about that ideology being taught to kids? I like religion because there's a moral code. Yeah, but are we robbing our kids of the wonder? of where you were before you were born and where you go when you die. 
these are these are the these are the questions like yeah. th these are even if you it's, it's not the answers to those questions that are important it's the fact that they point to the portal of unknown which most people um you know, i don't know what age it happens three or four years old it closes and you can't get back in yeah till you do six million hits of acid or um <laughs> you have you have yeah. you know some life altering you know you have to have a near something crazy has to happen you open up the portal again yeah. uh to see where are you with religion? Cause I heard you use the word evil and I have a, um, I struggle with that word. I, I like, I, as soon as you use it, my, I start circling you, you know, like a shark, I start judging uh -huh. you like, well, why did he yeah. use that word? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess I've never, the, the evil part, I don't, um, you know, when I, when I look at something like pedophilia and, and hurting it to me, uh, evil don't like I, I, that's a, that's an easy word. I'd be interested to hear why, um, would you, and I don't want to, I'm, I want to answer the question on, on religion Please. too and talk about memento yeah. mori, but like, so evil, so pedophilia, I look, okay, evil. There's an right. evil abuse of, of children there. Do you not like the word evil on that? And I'd be curious as to why. I feel it's intellect. Well, first of all, cause I can't, I, I can't, um, I feel it's intellectually like shallow uh, or, or lazy maybe. Lazy. Um, yeah. That's fair. What would you say? So, so like, I don't know why, I don't know why Hitler did what he did. Yeah. I have no fucking clue. I can't even imagine. But when I do imagine it, I imagine that he thought he was doing something right. Like, I can't think of anything inside of me that's like evil, meaning yeah. like, um, uh, if, if 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 I went to the supermarket and I get to my car and I realize they'd only charge me for one avocado and I had six and I didn't go back in, I know it's wrong, mm -hmm. but I don't think I'm evil. No, I don't either. I just think you, I'm lazy or or I'm I'm cheap or like I, right. I you know what I mean. I but I, but you went but I just can't see doing something for the sake of. I, when I was a kid and I used to shoot squirrels and shit, like I didn't do it because I was evil. I did it because I was ignorant. And then one day when I shot a dove and it fell in front of me, I was like, I gave my BB gun away. I'm like, fuck that. I that I started crying. I was in high school. I was with my friends. Yeah. They're like, dude, you just bought that gun. I'm like, I know, but I can't handle this shit no more. Shit, fucking yeah. bird. I wish it would have fallen 100 feet away so I didn't have to face it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. <laughs> fucking die at my feet. You fucking ruined everything. Is there so when I hear evil, I just can't even. I, I I can't even. I don't see the. I don't see. If what what would you so let's say instead of uh, I've seen fam, I filmed famine in three different countries, Matt. Yeah, I've been on uh, three different continents. I've been yeah. uh, to all seven continents. I film movies in a hundred countries. I've seen the poorest, craziest shit. Like yeah. when it comes to human deprivation, for sure, and. And I never, I never like, am I evil for not going back? Like I witnessed that I could get on a, I could, I could sell all my houses and all my shit and, and go over there and feed those people. Yeah. But I don't. So am I are evil? You like that the evil, evil itself is not necessarily a concept or are you trying to define where the line is? Right. Because let's say you bought, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. You went in and bought six avocados. Let's say instead of going in and buying six avocados, you went in and bought six eight-year-old little girls that you were going to take home and abuse. And even if you thought for some reason that was right and okay, what would you define? What would be the word or words to describe that human being that knowingly is taking little girls? I'm going to go take them away from their parents, from their life. They're clearly distraught, panic, 
all of those things. And then we are going to do ungodly things. To I don't them. know. What, I don't know, man. Like to me, I'm just like, maybe evil is a lazy way to describe it. But at that point, um, I wouldn't even want to describe it. I would just want to put a bullet in some in a, in a head. <laughs> like, and I'm a, well, and I'm the, taste it for a while. Yeah. Like, so, 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 um, George Floyd put a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach in her house in a home invasion robbery. And I just think, oh, that lady will like that lady will never there's nothing. She'll never be whole again. Mm-hmm. Her whole life has been changed because of what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I, I don't know what to call. You're right. I don't have a, um, I for on this show when if, I, if, I don't know if people have figured it out, but my wife doesn't want me to say like, fuck that person, behead them or any of that shit. So what I say is I'd put them in a rocket and shoot them to Pluto. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, I, th- I think yeah. it, I think for those, my wife probably doesn't think that that's bad, but for me, I'm like, yeah, send them to Pluto. Yeah, I can't wait till that shit runs yeah. out of oxygen and they're done. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. And I've never had the, you know, I've never had the good fortune to meet, meet your wife and hopefully someday, uh, well, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure I would love her to death. Um, I am, I like them. I like the moral code of religion. I just don't, um, I, I don't like closing the door to the to um life and death I, I i want my kids to be able to ponder it it's, it's it's the richest pondering i've done yeah and i think that is um mm-hmm. I, I like that you know it's a memento more you know people say, well gosh you have a you want know, to teach your kids a fascination with death and those, well, the reason that's on there is it's a fascination with life it's a it's a you know it's a call to remember the fact that um that this ride ends you know at some point in that and that we've got this continual gift and it goes back to those conversations of being proactive versus being reactive right if i if i take that and that's the whole stoic philosophy behind this as far as i understand it is that you know if you remember the fact that you you have limited time then you're more intentional about what you use your energy on what you allow your thoughts to wander on what you spend your time on who you spend your time with uh, you're intentional around life and that is the whole that is the whole thing um, and so the religious part of that, and I've gotten, you know, I've, some of the private schools that I've gotten to run have been religious, uh, based. And I think I'm with you, the moral code. Um, I, I am a huge fan. I think we have lost that culturally is again, one of the multifaceted reasons that we've, you know, uh, kind of gone down this, this road of confusion as a culture and society is we've really lost that moral code. We've just, um, we've eradicated that. So I like that too, but I do believe we strip our young people of some really valuable conversations and thought exercises. Everybody's religion is correct, right? but everybody's vastly different. If I've got friends who are Buddhists, I've got friends who are Mormon. I've got friends who are evangelical Christian. I've got friends who are Jews. Um, I have friends that are, that are Muslim. Um, I'm not, I don't have as, I don't think I have as many, but I do know I have some, right. Um, all of them are correct, right? Well, that can't be true. (laughs) You know, they're not all inherently correct on every single thing. They all vastly disagree, but then they'll tell their kids, look, this is, the answer. And I'm not opposed to, to, you know, parents saying, Hey, look, this is a black and white in our house. Like I, that becomes an interesting conversation in and of itself. But, but do they do all possess a moral code that's supposed to help you navigate life. So to, and I would to, rather 
to, to black. To, I don't I don't know if it's to eternal life or to happiness or what, but it is a moral code, and it's nice living by those people. It is like it's nice. nice having a bunch of Mormon neighbors. You know That's what I mean? Right. That's right. And so I almost wonder if we can't. You know, we try to do this as much as possible in our house, and we probably do a better job of it. But go look. This is our moral code, right? Those those rules, those values that we have hanging on our wall, that is our moral code, but it's not, uh, that is a different thing other than, you know, our belief system around, around life and death. Those, um, we can talk about this too, because I'd rather have the conversations with my, with my kids of going, look, here's the evidence that we see. And so this is why we believe what we believe. I also want to understand, I've got a lot of good friends who are LDS, right? I want to understand exactly what it is they believe and then I'm going to dive into that evidence too and go, okay, well, they believe this. This is not something I necessarily believe, but what is their evidence around this? And then I want to come to a conclusion. Either I go, okay, well, that's better evidence than I've got, or I don't think that necessarily holds up to scrutiny. So I'm going to go ahead and maintain my, my position. I want to proactively walk through those kind of things with my kids so that they learn to look at everything from that same lens, including what we're saying we believe as a family, because What's the harm in that? Either they're going to come to the same conclusion or they're going to go, dad, because again, we've got that open line of communication. They're going to go, dad, I talked to Johnny over here, right? He's a, he's a Scientologist just using that because it's so freaking out there for me, but uh, he's a Scientologist, but look at, here's the evidence. Let's dive into this together. I would rather have them maintain that curiosity they're either going to come to agree with what I'm agreeing on, or they're going to show me better evidence. And maybe we're going to move over there together and we'll have great conversations and, you know, the thought process. And then when they actually decide to make a decision on what they believe, they will own that to a much higher level. I can ask most religions. I can ask them a couple of, I know enough about their religions that I can ask them some questions that'll make them very uncomfortable because they don't necessarily have the answers because their system hasn't allowed them to explore certain things. And then, you know, instead of going to explore, they usually get pissed at me for bringing it up. Um, you know, that's kind of the nature of the beast, but I think we do a disservice to our people just not allowing, again, not allowing for questions. And so that's how we look at it in our house is like, look, here's what we believe. Here's kind of our evidence around that. But I want my kids to explore all of those, not explore them like I want to dabble in it, but explore them like ask questions of it and research and um, come to their own conclusions on that. I don't think that's a, a dangerous proposition. It's it's uh, it's interesting. I'll tie this back to um, the people who not be to conflating uh, their thoughts with reality. The, the Bible has all sorts of shit like that that confuses people. Like that, there's a. I'm, I'm gonna screw this up. I know someone's gonna get mad at me, but there's this. Um, there's the saying in the Bible that uh, a rich man going to heaven is like a camel going through the eye of a needle, me meaning that none of that shit you own is yours and you're not taking it with you. And yet, one of the commandments is don't steal. Well, don't steal is built on the presupposition that there's ownership. Well, we already decide, we already know that there's no ownership. So the stealing thing keeps you one level away from reality. Stealing, there's no such thing as stealing. If you believe in stealing as a reality, you're fucking crazy. But most people cannot fucking understand that. It's built on something that's called ownership. Ownership is also not real. These are things we fucking agreed upon just to make society work. Am I against them? No, not in the least. Totally against, um, I'm totally for ownership and stealing. It doesn't make them real. It's an agreed upon, it's an agreed upon. Concept. Yeah. Like but, but, but yet, but, and so then now if I take stealing, that rule don't steal is for me. It's not for me to project onto you. It's my moral code. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Because when I project it onto you, anyway, it's it, you see what I'm kind of trying to draw here, and, and and there becomes this. Um, none of that's even explained to the kids when they when they give them. That's why there's so many batshit crazy religious people because they're taking their moral code and trying to project it onto other people, onto everybody else. And yeah, it's like, dude, right? And what then are you again. Doing? You're if you try to, you, you've broken your code. That's that should be the first code in all the religions. Don't project this shit onto other people. Yeah, well, and that's it. Should that absolutely should be be open to having the conversations. That's great. Don't project it, and it's like a, an automatic. Again, it's the same thing as the politics. It's the same thing as anything else. If you're using it as you either agree with me or we're or we're at odds, well, then right. you're you know, that that talk about intellectual laziness. That's about as as lazy as it gets. You know, that's that's the issue. And then again, when you start diving deep into some of this stuff, like even those direct translations of the so-called 10, you know, this is a place where it pisses people off. Ten commandments. Well, it doesn't translate yeah. it commandments. It's like suggestions and and uh, ways to live like it's not actually doesn't actually directly translate into commandment. There's no Hebrew word for obey. Right. The, oh, wow. There is no Hebrew word for obey. So like that doesn't exist. It's not commandments. It's kind of like these uh, suggestions and prescriptions for living is more of the the direct translation, right? And so any of those those ten, they're they're not even translated really uh, appropriately. So you're taking it and spinning it to make it exactly what you want it, projecting it on somebody else. And if somebody disagrees with you, well, then you're pissed at them and they're your enemy. I'm sure I got people pissed. I'll probably get people in my DMs just from this, just from saying this, right here. <laughs> you know, which is. Which is fine. Again, I'm always open to the conversations, but people will come at me like, screw you because you said this. And I grew up always learning it as this. And so now we're enemies. And that's that's where we are. <laughs> and, and, and I'll throw this on there for anyone who gives a shit. Uh, the, re- the real reason why stealing is bad, there's only one reason. And, and for those of you selfish, egotistical, arrogant people like myself, you'll love this reason. You never want to have to guard a thought. And so when you steal something, that means you've done something in your mind that's wrong and you have to guard that thought. So if I take if I if I'm at Matt's house and I eat his last apple and then he comes in the room and he's like, where's that apple? I'm like, I don't know. Now I have to and now part of my headspace is taken because I stole something and I have to guard that lie around it. And that's the worst thing that can happen to you in, in your entire life. That's why I tell people you should never smoke cigarettes, not because smoking's bad for you. But then the rest of your life, you'll have this little ni- nagging, I want to do more nicotine. I want to do more nicotine like I have. It sucks. You don't want anything in your headspace. You want to be free. So guard, a, guard a lie. It sucks. So, so right? So you want to be take, free. So to, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, that's what. It, I don't have to guard anything from anyone. That's if, if you aren't in that headspace with that kind of peace of mind. Yeah. Um, then, then yeah, you are, you are encaged. You are the elephant that's tied to the post that thinks he can't pull it away because he was trained as a young kid that he can't pull away from the post, right? You're, you're, you are that elephant. If you're not in that, in that specific headspace, um, for sure. Um, the, the stealing console, I'm just wrapping my, like now I'm, my wheels are spinning, especially around this evil thing. So you come over, you steal an apple, um, and, Cool. What if you come over and you steal a kid? Yeah. Man, I mean, man, you, I, I, you, I, I, I just hate to say this because of my, because of my, my wife, but, um, and, and I, and I want to obey her, but, uh, yeah, those people can't be exist. Those people yeah. cannot exist. You cannot yeah. take someone's kid and, yeah. and you should expect, I, I'm actually surprised. I, I'm, 
I'm actually surprised more people haven't been hurt in retaliation for some of the stuff that's been done to our kids. Yeah. I'm really, really, really surprised that um, like uh, kids were given um, vaccines without their parents being told who are 12 yeah. years old. I can't yeah. believe I, I, I I'm, I'm not saying it's right, but I can't believe some of those people weren't offed. I, I just, yeah. I, as a parent, if someone did, um, I was walking in Africa one time and there was this big pile of trees. I've told this story and I, and I'm, and, I, and I'm in the, I'm in a, I'm in this neighborhood that has no objects. I'm in a village that has no objects. By no objects, I mean they like everything's handmade. Their bowls are handmade. Their everyone lives in teepees. Everyone, there's no food there. I mean, it's there's not a single store there. They're, they don't deal in currency, nothing. And I'm there yeah. shooting this documentary, and I'm walking with these five kids, and there's this big pile of trees. And I asked one of the kids, I'm like, oh, through the translator, I'm like, hey, what what happened? What what are all these trees doing here? And they go, oh, there's a lady under there. I go, there's a lady under there, and they go, yeah, dead lady. And I go, what happened? A, a lady walked up on a fucking elephant that was with its baby. The elephant grabbed the lady, beat her with its trunk to the ground and killed her. She's dead. Wow. And then pushed all the trees in the area on top of her to make sure she didn't come back to life and get away. Wow. <laughs> That's how I feel about anyone who threatens my kids. Yep. It's I, I would, I want to, I want to, yep. I want to turn you into ashes. I, I don't I don't want any remnants of you. Nope. <laughs> I don't yeah. even I I, I, mom, I mean I give myself the chills saying that, but like I don't want any remnants of you. So I, I, I hear you. Is is that is that um you, you know you, like this Cain Velasquez thing? I mean, you touched his daughter. Yeah. It's like, dude, you like I know you you kind of get you and, and, and like he shot your dad, and I'm kind of like I, I'm really not a vigilante guy, but I'm kind of like, so what? Kind of get it. Yep. Yeah, like you shouldn't have been hanging out with this dude who's touched someone's daughter. Like, yeah. So I and I get it. So that's where you better not even look at someone's daughter. You don't even look at someone's daughter. Like, don't like someone's fourteen-year-old daughter's there. Shake their hand, make eye contact with them once, and get the fuck away from them. Like, dude. Yeah. What are you doing? I I hear you. So that's where it's that you know. Yeah. Um, That that's got to be some biological thing in us. I would imagine. It doesn't I mean, feel. I would imagine. I think that elephant's a prime example. I mean, that's I was shoot my mom. So my mom just moved out here. Uh, just congratulations. Moved out here. That's awesome. Congratulations. So super cool, man. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And so I drove. Actually, drove her car out here. Drove her car out here for her. She's been here like a week, right? And so she went to go walk around uh, her her neighborhood. And she's kind of checking out her new, kind of checking out the new digs. And, and uh, on her first day, and and she comes back and uh, she's like, yeah, she's met a really nice lady who lives down the street. And uh, she told me to be careful walking down the specific trail because there's some deer over there and the deer have uh, babies. So she was out walking her dog and the deer came out of the woods and just started stomping on the dog. Um, on your on your mom's dog or your neighbor's dog? Her, 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 her neighbor. Yeah, her neighbor. Oh, was wow. Story. And so, again, that's that biological like, I mean, deer usually see humans or see anything and they're, you know, they're frightened. They're, they run. But this deer had baby nearby and it was just like, nope, this thing looks like a threat and I'm going to stomp it out. You know, so I, I think that is a very much, you know, very much a bio dude. Same, same. Anything comes near my babies. I'm stomping, <laughs> stomping yeah. down, not, not feeling bad about it for a second. I'm not thinking twice. I used to take spiders outside. I don't take spiders outside anymore. Yeah. I kill spiders. Yeah. Since I had kids, I kill spiders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, yeah, totally. Cr- oh, crickets. God. I pick crickets up and take them outside. 
Yeah. But I used to get a glass jar and take the spider outside. Now it's like, no, nope, you're dead. No, nope, I don't spray. Not. I don't spray pesticide around my house. Uh, you know, but, but, but I, but the rules have changed. Yeah. It's so funny, huh? So yeah, funny. How that my wife, yeah. I was, I was inside the house the other, uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess not the other day, but two, three weeks ago. And she calls me and she's like, Oh my God, there's a huge snake out here. You got to get out of here. And it's attacking it. And I couldn't really understand what she's saying. I'm like, it's going after a what? And she's like, it's going after, <laughs> it's going into the, uh, it had gotten stuck trying to go in the chicken coop. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, but at first I was like, I thought she was talking kids or, or whatever. And, you know, and at our house in California, uh, my, my little boy was like around four and he's like, Oh dad, look at this. And he had a, a rattler kind of cornered that was, that was gearing up. So oh like, shit. Rattler's got to go. I had yeah. to go sleep. I had to go sleepy night nights. And so I'm just picturing this other, you know, same thing. I'm like, Oh shit. But, um, same thing. I mean, was, you know, obviously as long as the kids are okay, now we'll, we'll have a conversation around what you're doing and where you're going to go. But if it's, if it's hurting the kiddos, it's got to go bye-bye. Um, t- t- tying this into, to, to the fear thing and projecting on your kids. There's this, yeah. I, I talked to people. The, so there's this correlate and I don't have a lot of studies for this, but just my own personal anecdotal, the coolest kids I've ever met. Now I'm starting to realize are the ones yeah. who got their cell phone, the latest and the ones that are homeschooled. Yep. They're the okay. ones, they're the adults who make, eye, they're the kids who make eye contact. They know how to talk to adults. They have friends of the widest variety of ages. They know how to interact with my kids. They know how to interact with me. And but but it's also these kids who didn't get cell phones till they're 15, 16, 17. And they're anytime I talk to parents about that, everyone like n- agrees with me. And they're like, but you know, you need to get it for safety. Or, but you know, you get it and you put this blocker on it so it can't do this, this, and this. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not I don't think I'm I don't think I'm doing the cell phone for my kid till like old. Yep. I agree. I'm not, I'm not doing it. No, you're right. So it's the whole, you know, cause I also show family, we build these schools, but I've got a lot of families that'll reach out and uh, and they'll go, Hey, look, the schools, you know, there's no schools anywhere near me. And so my first question is, okay, well, do you want to, if you've got kids, like, do you want me to show you how to build one? Um, and if that's no, if there's, that's not the desire, no, or, or, you know, there's no ability, uh, whatever the the circumstance they say, but okay, but I'm going to homeschool. I just, I don't know how to do that. Um, we help people, do that as well. Right. Yeah. And you have a new program by the way, that's coming. Yeah. Yep. And we're doing that too. I'm kind of putting all that under the Apogee umbrella um, as well to show families how to do that. Right. Yeah. One of the big questions, one of the biggest myths you're, you're launching, sorry, you're launching the, the home education parenting course. Yeah. Yeah. And when does that yeah. come out? Um, tech, my tech squad, we've got all everything filmed, PDFs are created. Um, we've got a, a workplace, group that's set up where we're going to have the families that'll be able to, they'll be able to come in and get weekly support. I'll literally give them the projects, the conversations, things I'm having with my own kids every single month um, and support them. So that'll all start in September, but we'll launch the the first membership um, tech team is saying we'll be able to launch it this week, probably. And, cool. and what's the website for that? So it'll be under the apogeestrong.com website. Um, it's right now we just have the men, the young men's mentorship, but we'll have the links to, um, the educating modern day heroes, uh, homeschool course too. I was so excited to see you're doing this. So it's, excited. It, it's because it's, again, it's the fear, right? The parents are like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I'm worried that I'm going to screw up my kids. I'm worried around, you know, which is the irony. I always tell them yes. the, irony of the whole thing, right? It's like, I'm worried that, uh, 
you know, I went through this conveyor belt program. Now I feeling adequate. And so instead of being able to educate my own kids, I'm going to put them back through that same conveyor belt schooling system that left me feeling inadequate enough to, to raise my own kids. Right. Is this, yes, that cycle. Yes. Like, Holy shit. Like if that doesn't tell you something. So the, some of the biggest fears, one of them is around that whole socialization, right? Yes. But what about my kids aren't socialized? And gosh, man, it's such what you said, looking people in the eye and shaking hands and having those conversations. The majority of the time, if parents are intentional, it's those kids that are home educated that are far more comfortable doing that. We sold some goats uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Um, sold some goats. The guy drove over here, drove his trailer under the ranch and gets them all ready to go. And, And I was I was gathering up the goats that we were selling him and I'm getting them ready to move into his trailer. So my nine-year-old went over and and she greeted him as he came to the gate. She went over, opened the gate for him and he came through and she's like, Hey, how are you? You know, my name is Brielle shook his hand. Um, and she's like, so, you know, dad's over there getting the goats. Um, she said, I've got the bill of sale right here. So you'll sign here. I'm going to take a picture of it. Uh, we'll keep that as our receipt. You keep this as your receipt and <laughs> the X amount of cash. And, and he's like, okay. And so he signed it. She took a picture. She's like, okay, great. You know, it's however much it was. It was like, you know, 800 bucks, 900 bucks, something like that. And he's like, okay. And she's like, and you can, it's okay. You can give me the cash. She's like, I can give it to you. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. You know? And it was like, so we got done and he's like, what the hell was that? And I'm like, that's normal for us. That's not a yeah. weird thing. It's yeah. just normal. She's, she's not nine. Out, she's nine, right? But she's nine. Yep. But that's normal. Like that's just what we do. And it's what we've always done. They've yeah. run multiple businesses. They've negotiated business deals over the phone. They've, they've done all these things. So it's just, again, you normalize what you normalize, right? So do you want that for your socialization? Or do you want, again, the young kids who are around a bunch of other young kids who are being taught gender is not a real thing. Sadness and fear are the virtues. Follow the directions here. Look down at your cell phone at all time. You're going to be distracted by these screens and getting bombarded by a weird culture. You're going to be distracted by a bunch of medications that we're going to give you early and often, especially for the young men. Um, you know, we have this habit now of looking at kids in school and going, oh, this five-year-old young boy has a has a methamphetamine deficiency, so we better get him on something. <laughs> Like, oh, I never heard it like that. That's so poignant. Oh my goodness. Like we're distracting our kids, you know, and, and, and you're worried about my kids being socialized. Yeah, it's bananas. Yeah. So we just want to help families like get around the, there's the cultural myths that we've been indoctrinated into. We've been talking about religion. School is a religion in our yeah. country. And so um, we want to just get mm. out of those religious myths around it, man. So I couldn't agree with you more. The cell phones um, just aren't just aren't happening. If you're really concerned about safety, well, then cool. Here's your deal. So we've got 20 acres right now, right, on our ranch. Um, my kids are so 11, 9, 6. They want to go run off. They want to go into the pasture. We've got five acres in the back that are just straight up woods in the mountains with creeks and little waterfalls and, you know, everything that else that lives there, snakes and falling trees. And there's all that stuff is back there. So they can go explore back there all they want. They know what our property line is and they can go get at it. Now, do I want them to be able to contact me if they are a legitimate trek away and something happens and somebody gets hurt? You bet. Do they need a cell phone? Nope. There's great technology, man. They got watches. They got watches that all those watches can do is they can call the numbers we programmed in. 
So if you're really just concerned about safety and you want, great, get them something like that. Cause you know what? They're not, there's nothing else on there for them. So they're not distracted by that all day. They're not being bombarded by other bullshit. They're not on social media. They're not, they just have the ability to call. So, you know, parents use excuses to, uh, to, uh, allow them to feel a little better about all the other baggage that comes along with, with that bullshit. And what are you taking away from your kid when you put that on them? Let, let, let's just explore this for a second. I put that watch on my kid. I've seen it. Sounds benign. But now all of a sudden your kid knows he's tethered to your parent. What What are the ramifications sure. of that? Is that good? Is that bad? For uh, sure. Oh, your, your kid's getting EMF rays in his wrist or whatever the fuck those are. I don't even know if they're real, but it seems to be the, yeah. all the thing that uh, – um, so – Everything that we – it's like the thing with – um, I'm all for the discussion of getting rid of guns. But I haven't heard one person who's talked about the discussion of getting guns yeah. telling me what the ramifications are because yeah. all they say is, well, if there were no guns, no one would get shot. Okay, I give you that. But what if we end up like Australia and they build camps and people have to be put in them for a month? Sorry, can't do that. Like I, I the, no, it's the same thing with like the, 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 the quarantine, no one discussed what the ramifications were of that. They just did it because they're only thinking one-to-one ratio of, right. of what the implications are. It's like, I like this idea of the watch, but how about we discuss like the 10 other, like maybe it's better for a kid that he it doesn't is. feel Maybe, maybe instead of going 20 acres away, he'll only go eight because he doesn't have the watch. Maybe. Yep. That's it. Right. And you know what I mean? It's like, there's, we got to right. talk, we got to, we got, are we hurting people or helping them? Well, and that's the, and the point is that the parents will look at that and they'll use cell phone as a this is safe. because of their own fear. Sorry, sorry, one thing, Matt. We're projecting our own fear onto our kids. Projecting our own fear and our yeah. own conditions onto them, hundred yeah. percent. Because it's not really ever usually about safety. It's about that's what they say to make it sound like a more responsible decision. It's what they say yeah. to justify it and try to make it sound logical. So they say that. When the reality is they're doing it because they're afraid their kid's going to get mad at them if they say no. They're afraid the parent next door is going to judge them for not parenting correctly. They're afraid, right? So they'll use the it's for safety, even if there's a million other options, even just to get around the safety side, right? We, they, they spin the whole story, you know, which is, which is usually a, a crock of shit and they won't let themselves really identify what it is they're actually doing and just be honest about that. Um, so you're absolutely right. No, I'm, I'm, I, cell phones are not, are not happening, um, for us, uh, for, for a long time. Um, and, and I'm very, very happy with that by the medications not happening for us either. Um, video games is another area that I think is wildly, uh, distracting and damaging, especially to young guys. So I'm not. It's it's amazing when when you as someone said someone liked your Carlos Romero liked your meth deficiency line uh, and sure. Jeff Birchfield wrote something here um, uh, reminds me of when I went to pick up a guy in my granddad's truck to take him across their ranch to look at bulls when I was nine. Yeah, I mean, that's my, my nephews live on ranches uh, in Texas, and that's the kind of shit they do. Five, six, seven, eight, nine year old kids catching rattlesnakes, driving trucks, driving tractors. Um, right. and it's funny people think that, and they're the most responsible, they waking up and putting a gun on their hip Yep, as a 10 year old boy to go out right. because, because there's fucking all sorts of wild animals out there. It's yep. crazy. So and it's so, and they're so capable. If I had a daughter, I'd want them to date my nephews. That's right. And they're so incapable is the word, right? They're capable and they're competent. Yeah. So they're in turn, they're confident. So yeah. they're not 
even really, they get less and less attracted, the more capable and confident they get, the less attracted they are to other distractions and bullshit. Cause it's just not interesting. You know, it's, yeah. there's the whole people, Oh, we've got to send them to, uh, I got to send my kids to school because they got to learn, you know, that there's bad people out there. And so that's the place for them to get what kind of, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like if you want to level up your own life, you don't go to prison and hang out so that you can go, well, look, there's all these bad people. I guess I better get used to them. And that's how somehow my life is going to get better. No, you go hang around people that are doing better things than you, that you have something to learn from. Like you go level that stuff up. Well, these, our young kids are the same thing. So we have them, you have them do things like get in there and drive get in there and drive the buggy, get in there and drive the car around here, get in there and go explore, get in there and do all those things that build the resilience and the confidence so that when they see ridiculous stuff later on, they're just not even interested. And they look at it for what it is. It's ridiculous. It's not something I want. Not like, well, I grew up when the people were idiots that I grew up with. And so no, that's, it's a, again, it doesn't follow logic. It follows our, our indoctrination. What do you what do you think about that? I have some strong opinions about this next thing I'm gonna bring up. What do you think about the the Jew parents and the black parents telling their kids? It, I, I bring up the Jews and the blacks because it's that's their common, you know, all the Jew kids I know and all the black kids I know grew up like this. They're including my wife, who, who's Ashkenazi. Um, uh, the parents tell you the world's out to get you. For some reason, the Jew parents and the black parents think that's a good thing to tell your kid. Hey, you're gonna have to work ten times as hard. Everyone's out to get you. I mean, that's how L.A. Jews are brought up. That's how black kids all across this country are brought up. Hey, everyone's out to get you. And I'm like, what the fuck? My parents didn't tell me when I was – no one told me, hey, Sevan, when you're 16, you're going to go to school one day, and kids are going to start making fun of your nose. Just so you know, your sophomore yeah. year, that shit's going to grow in, and everything is going to turn fucking upside down. I'm so right. glad my parents didn't tell me that shit. I'm glad that's someone right. had to make fun of my nose, and I came home that day and looked in the mirror. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? You know what I'm trying yeah. to like – Trying to look from the side of my <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't approve of that warning your kids that they're like giving them a um it's 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 a false warning. The parents projecting their shit onto them. They're projecting it. They don't know. Yeah, you're a- projecting your shit onto the kid. Now the kid has to walk around and be like, Hey, I'm a Jew and everyone hates me. How the fuck is that good? That's your mindset going. That's the problem, yeah. right? Is the mindset because you go in and again, fear is the virtue. In that point, right? Like uh, going, uh, you're the, victim. the victim is the virtue. So you are you are virtuous and better than others because you're walking around knowing that that you know that you have that fear in the back of your mind that's quote unquote protecting you, or that fear is keeping you safe. It's exactly what it is. Is the start of that victim mindset. That's exactly what it is, right? And so, yeah, no, I think that's a horrible place. And look, I, I get. You know, we'll have both sides that'll that'll go. Look, well, here are the reasons we're saying that are because of the systemic so and so. That itself right. is a separate conversation. That's a separate conversation. If you want to talk about systemic things, there's things you can probably you know speak to that that bolster the point. And then there's some things that I think are thrown out there that are provably incorrect. And, and I'm talking for both communities there. I think that's a whole separate conversation. Taking your but, but they could have made up anything. You can make up anything. Someone might someone could have said to me, Hey, seven, when you're 16, your nose is gonna grow in and it's gonna have superpowers. And, that, and girls are gonna be just throwing the pussy at you. Like someone could have told me that. So be careful. And, <laughs> and I would have believed that too. And so why tell a Jew kid or a black kid that something like like the victim might why not tell them some other shit? Hey, just so you know, I mean, you could tell them anything. Why tell them that shit? That's the point right? is that you've got that blanket. Why not fill them 
yeah. with things that are powerful, that are wonderful, that are going to keep them curious, that are going to keep yeah. them strong so that when they do encounter at some point, encounter crazy stuff, it's not something that they're like, Ooh, Oh, see, I knew that was coming. I was told that was coming and Oh my God, here it is. And it's probably going to be bad. Or they'll just look at it and go, okay, well, I, that's ridiculous. Like it, it won't phase them because they've got a different mindset. I don't know what you've told. I, I think that is the, the, the you tell you tell you tell a black kid, hey, white people don't like aren't, aren't going to like you and they're going to be mean to you. Then when you're walking down the street and a white person crosses the street, you think, oh, they walked away from me because they didn't like me. But if you never told that black kid that, they would never come up with that. Nope, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't come. They'd up never with, ever come up with that. Nope, the racism wouldn't be a thing. People going yeah. out the other race, like that's not a thing. People no, don't it'd be just some guy across the street. That's people it. People don't inherently have that. People. I mean, we've had young kids. I've worked with enough young kids. They don't even see it unless you unless you bring it up, unless culture brings it up, unless somebody brings it up. They they genuinely don't see the fact that other people look different. And people say, "Well, that's not okay either." We should notice the differences. And it shut the fuck. Kids just look and they go, "That's another human being." They go, "That's another human being." Hey, By that guy's way, missing a leg. What what happened uh, to him? I don't know. Go over and ask him. Go talk to him. They but they yeah, don't go care. ask him. He's a different color. They don't care if yeah. somebody's a different height. They don't care. Hey, they inherently just go, that's a boy or a girl. They don't go, what I wonder what gender that kid identifies as. None of those things, those are all adult issues that we're throwing in on these young people. Yeah, geez Louise, that could be that could be the exact that's the exact same thing too. You got you got you got a parent who I don't care if they're white, black, or Chinese. You may you may have a black parent tell you, hey, all black people are thugs. You may have a white parent tell you they're white kids, all black people are thugs. It's the same thing. I agree. I'm not, I'm not, the, the color thing is just an example. It's not there's nothing all black uh, people are thugs, all or all white yeah. people are racist, or all but all of that is just garbage. And it's not just like the inherent state, the natural state of a human is genius. The natural yeah the natural uh, values and virtues that we have too are, I believe are inherently good. We look at other people and assume so we that, are good. We are good right? inherently. I, I think, I think we inherently look at other people and, and have, um, you know, love and want to connect with that other person inherently. I don't think we inherently want to go the other way from anybody else, which tells me do we inherently want relationships so we inherently value uh, another human being i think that is our natural state i would love to i spent a lot have you been to africa i have not no sir i know kalipa's on his way like next week oh yeah that's right yeah i i spent i spent a lot of time over there in in areas uh in, in uh, for those of you who don't know and by africa i don't mean egypt or south africa where there's i mean places where i'm the only white person yeah and it's really, um, it's really fascinating what can happen to your your whole brain will make these huge shifts. There's this movie. I wish I could think of this movie. You would fucking love this movie, Matt. They take these kids from the Baltimore ghetto, uh-huh. and they take them to Kenya. It's a documentary. It won the Academy Award. It's, um, Boys of Barack? No. Maybe someone will say it in the comments. Boys of they take these i was gonna say you what's crazy is you take a white kid like me from fucking walnut creek california and you take me to africa and within a week everything recalibrates my whole every i watch my whole brain just shift on how i think about the entire world 
just for survival reasons. It was just fascinating. But they take these kids, these 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 twenty black kids from the the ghettos in Baltimore, yeah. and eat, and they take them to Kenya. Dude, everything about them changes. The way they walk, the way they talk, their vernacular, the semantics, everything changes. They put them in a fucking no electricity, no modern shit area, and they and they just send them there. It oh, there it is. Yes, Boys of Baraka. This movie is fucking Baraka. Yeah, this movie is so crazy good, and it just shows you that we all we can all just be recalibrated and reprogrammed. We're just we're just fucking sheets of paper. We sure can just erased and rewritten our shit. God, that's and that's such an exciting thing, right? And, and yes. again, going we're back always to in like, control of changing our story. Always in control. Changing that. So what? What then? An honor it is as parents to get to write that original programming, mm. right? To make that start at such a higher level. Like what an honor that is that you have three young humans that you get to start that programming wherever it is. And eventually you want to hand over the, the keys to that car so that they're doing the reprogramming themselves. Right. And that they have, yep. but dude, you are the, you get to establish that baseline. Are you, are you kidding me? What a privilege, right? Yep. What a per- and there's no perfect parents, but what I always say is no, there is no such thing as perfect parent, but our standard should always remain perfection. We should always be attempting. You should be attempting to be a perfect husband, attempting to be the perfect father. You'll never get it. Of course, yes, I agree. you lower that standard, right? Because you're doing them a service by doing so. Like that's so freaking exciting to be able to, to have, you know, that privilege and that honor as a, as a father. I love that, man. Have you read um, Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman? No. I'm a huge fan of that one. Um, I had Todd on uh, the podcast too, and he talked to the young guys uh, of Apogee, and it's all around, you know, kind of that uh, reprogramming, you know, sort of mentality. And we went into the whole, like, have you seen Split? Um, That M. Night Shyamalan movie about the dissociative identity disorder? Oh. Where the guy's got like 23 personalities or something. Have you seen that? No, no. It sounds scary. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a cool, you know, it's one of the M night Shyamalan ones. So there's like a little twist yeah. on it. I won't give anything away, but you know, it's the whole, like uh, the guy's got dissociative identity disorder, right. Or multiple personality disorder. And so he's got these 23 different personalities. And so, you know, a couple of them are doing some, some uh, evil things in the movie. Um, but yeah, that's the book, man. Um, and so what struck me when I watched that movie and it's kind of sent me down this rabbit hole was this guy, um, oscillates in between all these different personalities and each one has a different agenda and all these things they're trying to do, but there are all these physical manifestations that take place in it too. Right. So um, he's like a nine-year-old boy at some point. And so when he's in that body, you know, he's a grown man when he's in the nine-year-old, nine-year-old boy frame of mind, um, he, he has nine-year-old strength too, right? Like he can't like these girls are pushing back on the door and he can't push it, even though he's just a much bigger dude. He also switches into this one that's kind of like a beast sort of thing. And he can climb on a freaking wall, right? He has this like superhuman ability because he believes in this sort of deal. And one of the parts of the movie that was super, super brief, but it's really the part that set me down the rabbit hole. Um, They're playing a videotape and he's going through some of these other personalities of his. And one of his personalities has type one diabetes and has to take insulin. Oh, shit. Don't. Right. So that sent me down this rabbit hole of like, hmm, is the mind really that powerful where somebody that has this actually has 
physiological changes that accompany the mind, you know, the, yes. the mind yes. shift. And I started finding these studies and one in particular of somebody that had a severe allergy. I want to say it was to like oranges or something where they break out in hives and rashes in one identity. And then as they moved into the other identity, the, the hives would just clear up like that because that identity didn't have the the reaction crazy what the hell so when we start to look at the mind as being as powerful as it is again that's just all the more honor and privilege and duty we have as a parent or as anybody that works with young people period to do whatever you can to to protect that inherent genius to protect the inherent love of of other people and of of that love of learning and the desire to grow and to know more and do more and be more and think more like that is that's there. So we've got to not only protect that, but nurture that and open as many doors as possible to get the best manifestation of whatever that young person can be. And so Todd does a really good job of diving into how he's worked with like athletes and entertainers and all this stuff to kind of develop these other identities where they'll step into these other mindsets and frames and roles. Um, to, to go accomplish something else. And it's, it's a fascinating book. And I think it's one that's really good for parents. Honestly, I think it's a phenomenal book for parents. Um, in, in when I was younger in my twenties and I was having these uh, aspirations to, to be an ascetic, I wanted to, I wanted to be, be like Jesus. I wanted to be like the Buddha. I wanted mm -hmm. to, I wanted to be those people. I wanted to be that good. Yeah. I wanted to be that still. I wanted to know that stillness, that passion. I quickly realized that um, it's 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 easy if you throw away the world. If I go lock myself in a room or sit under a tree, it's easy to become Christ-like. It's yeah. easy to become Buddha-like. But when you the the hardest people to interact with, if you want to do that, are your parents. They're the super mirrors of yourself. And so I started realizing if you think you're enlightened, go hang out with your parents and you'll quickly realize you're just a fucking five-year-old dipshit still. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. So many people in raising kids, our relationships with our wife and our parents seem so important to me. Yeah. It seems like where I'm going to do most of my fucking teaching and not yeah. like direct one-to-one -one teaching, but it's where they're going to see – the way I treat my mom and how the relationship I have with my mom in front of them. I understand my wife because it's how they're going to pick their mate, right? I understand. But my mom, with my mom, it's something I, I think what I'm doing is I'm investing in my relationship with them in the future. So the more time I can spend with my mom and my dad um, in front of them and be a good son, whatever that means. That's as intellectually lazy as evil. Um, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you have thoughts on that, on the importance yeah. of, of, of like, because I noticed you had your mom move out, and that's like the great, like, my mom lives near me too, so I try to see her every day with my kids around. I want my kids to see me with my mom. Yeah. It's a treasure. I don't think it stops there. I think it is your relationship with anyone and anything. Um, it's not just, you know, you're right. Yes, the relationship with your wife Um you know, it, it shows my relationship with my wife shows my daughters what a man should do in a relationship and how he should treat a woman. It shows my son how he should treat a woman, right? It shows them those things. 
always, you know, that I always say your kids will do what you do before they do what you say, right? You leading by example, you are the example of what they're going to, what they're going to do first, um, whether they think through things and decide to change that example later, um, they may, but right. that is, that is the default setting for them, right? That is the, the initial inner voice. Um, you know, everybody's got that inner voice. Well, it starts out, it's your parents' voice and it's based on what you saw your parents do and how you saw them act and behave. Right. So yes, that relationship with the spouse matters. The relationship, I agree with you, the relationship with your parents, um, and them watching that you are, you're investing in that future relationship with, with your kids as, as the father, but your relationship with work, um, your relationship with spirituality Mm. and religion, your relationship with food, um, your relationship with money, uh, and how you talk about and, and, and tackle finances, uh, your relationships with people and with entities are the baseline for their mindset around those very things. And so that's why the standards got to remain perfection because you're going to, you know, if your relationships with all those things are great, but you're like, God, money never is, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. It's so hard to come by. We'll come by. We'll never be able to afford anything. I, there's never enough money. The bills are always lined up. If you're, you are setting that foundation for them as well. Right. Me, 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 meaning that's what they're going to want to replicate. Oh, that's, that's my dad. Money drives yep. him crazy. And he's, and he's always complaining about being poor. I'm going to, I'm going to take that on. Yep. Money is scarce. Money is hard to come by. Uh, money is something that causes grief in life. Money is something, right? So it's, yeah, you are, you're setting the baseline for all of that. So your relationship with people and those things all matter greatly. It's a, um, do you think you're always working on yourself too? You're, you're motivated to work on yourself because of your kids all the time. All the time, all the time. I know. I mean, all the time. And I know I still have areas where I struggle. And of course I still have areas where I mess stuff up and hundred um, percent, but it's always um, um, as intentional as I, as I can. Yeah. Break that cycle. That's the whole point is breaking those cycles. And, and you didn't have, you didn't have the ideal relationship with your father, as I recall. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, absolutely correct. And so those are cycles you have to break. hundred percent. 100%. And it's always interesting to watch because I've got siblings too. And, and you know, they had the same father. And so it's interesting to see what cycles have been broken, what cycles have not, who's holding on to certain things, who's not. Um, it's, it's weird to, it's, you know, interesting to see, to see that play out. But yeah, that's definitely a cycle that I had to break and not repeat um, those things. And the cycle of, you know, the, the whole cycle of forgiveness and all that stuff. I wish, I hope he's doing very well. I wish nothing uh, bad for him whatsoever. And I talk about him with my kids and they understand why they don't ever see him. Um, you know, so I want to be very, very intentional of, about that, but yeah, it's breaking those cycles, man. You had mentioned, you had mentioned Ben. Um, I want to give people some practice, some practical stuff here. You had mentioned Ben Greenfield earlier and about how um, he, he experiments with his life. And I yeah. really, really respect people who experiment with their lives. I had um, Nathaniel Nolan on and he's the guy who has the TikTok fame from him. Um, he walks on his hands 30 minutes a day. Hand, he walks like a dog 30 minutes a day. 
And, 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 and he's done it and he's doing it every day for 365 days. He's almost there. And it's crazy. He shows you how it's changed his body, how he moves. He's a brown belt in jujitsu. He's a trainer, but it's crazy. What 30 minutes of practice of walking yeah. on all four. I mean, it's, it's, I, I started doing it with my kids. I'm going to have him walk on all fours, like at least every other day, That's traversing awesome. different stuff. Yeah. It's completely and, and I've always said that crawling is the holy grail of fitness and you should never yeah. encourage your child to walk. Let them crawl till they're fucking 18 if you can, because once they stand up, they're never going back. It's over. You have your whole, yeah, you're done. You're done. You, it's so it's interesting. And I don't want to interrupt, but you know, Steve, Steve Maxwell, oh, like a fitness OG. Do you know who that is? Uh, yeah. Real handsome, uh, b- handsome buff guy to the stars. That guy. Steve. Um, so Steve Maxwell is like an OG. He's like 70. I want to say he's like 75. Um, oh, maybe man, he's been one of the first like kettlebell guys. He might've been the first like American Gracie jujitsu black belt. I mean, he's just his OG of fitness, but I, I talked to him not that long ago and he was saying something similar. That to guy's about, 70. Steve Maxwell is like 74, maybe 73. I don't know, man. He's in his seventies. He's a, Oh my goodness. He looks good. He's a stud, man. He is. And he was, he's same thing was just, uh, was talking about crawling and he's like, man, I crawl all day. I crawl all day, every day. Um, he's like, I think it's something that people are vastly missing out on. Yeah, that's Steve. Yep, that's him. He's a stud, man. He is a stud. That guy. So is I, lit. so I need to get three people on. I'm gonna get Steve Maxell on. I'm gonna mm-hmm. get uh, Tom Herman, and Todd I'm gonna Herman, try to yeah. get, and I'm gonna try to get uh, Laura or Jeff Sandifer. Oh, that's awesome. You're hooking me up. Okay, awesome. this is. So the other day, so, so one of my kids is always touching his face and he always has dirt on his face and I'm always, and and I'm always wiping his face. I'm a huge proponent that every time we leave the car, I wipe their face and tie their hair up and fix their clothes because I want them to present. I want the world to treat them nicely. It doesn't mean they can't get dirty. I don't care if afterwards they spill mustard on themselves or go roll around dirt. I just try to make it. And so this one kid always has fucking dirt on his face, always out of his nose, everything. And it just started like about a month ago. And so for 29 days straight, 350 times a day, I'm telling him, dude, you've got to stop touching your face. And after 29 days of that, I'm making this all up, by the way, the spirit of it, the spirit of it's true. After 29 days of it, I told myself two days ago, Every time, because this is what this is what life's about, experimenting. Every yeah. fucking time I want to tell him, wipe your face, I'm switching it. I'm going to tell him I love him. Fuck it. That's awesome. Just flipping the script. Yep. So now I tell him 50 times a day, Ari, I love you. And, and it's like, it's so much better. That's and then awesome. I just wipe his face. I just, it, yep. It's so much better. Yep. I just flipped so the rad. script. I'm like, I'm not having fun doing this. So rad, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I'm not, I'm not enjoying telling this five year old to keep wiping. It. I'll go over and wipe his fucking face. He'll figure it out. The other yes, kids don't will. do it. Like, chill the fuck out. Stop projecting yes, onto him. Yes, you will. That's awesome. How about just pro- if, if I'm gonna project something onto him? How about just project I love him? I put my hand up his shirt when I tell him that. I yeah. and my other hand up his back and I squeeze his little torso. Yeah. Tell him totally. he's yummy. Tell him he smells like fucking banana bread. You know, just that's awesome. so much better. That's so awesome, much man. better, right? And the experiment's done. I'm done. I, I'm done being a bitch, a whiny, <laughs> complaining bitch. And now he's getting loved. It's a win. It's a win-win. Yeah, it's everything's healthy. Yes. Right. And, and we did he it. Needs, he needs that, and you need that. 
far more than what you guys needed before. I love the way you're doing that. The best way to, you know, I tell parents the best way to improve, uh, you know, everything about something for your child is to improve it in yourself first, right? You want to improve their education? Well, improve yours, improve yours simultaneously. Because then again, it goes back to that osmosis, right? If you're consistently like, hey, you know, I make it a priority that I'm going to be in a book and I'm going to have conversations, deep conversations about what I'm reading around those books, because that's how a world-class education actually starts out. It's foundational to a world-class education. And you're doing that. Well, then they're going to be more inclined to be like, hmm, interesting. Okay. Well, that's what a good adult does is they prioritize that, you know, that kind of thing. They prioritize reading. They pri It's that. So you improving yourself in that way um, is improving everything for him. I mean, he's not just hearing from you that he loves you. It's improving how he sees himself. It's improving how he sees you. It's improving his relationships, you know, going forward. And yeah, he will pick up. And by the way, if you're telling him that there's the whole Pavlonian, you know, uh, Pavlovian sort of thing too, where you're like, dude, I love you. And you're wiping his face. He's going to be like, you're going to be like, dude, I love you. And he's going to be like, shit, man, I need a wipe. You know, he's going <laughs> to, he's going to pick that up too. I think that's awesome, man. We, we can, we can change we can change our our program. Let's say let's say yeah. you um let's say you drink let's say you drink too much at parties, mm. uh, but you don't you're not sure if you want to quit drinking. All you have to do is then you just make a you just start making rules for yourself. Every time before you drink a beer at a party, when you get there, you have to drink one glass of water, and then you can drink a beer. You earned it. And then you want to drink another beer, you got to drink another glass of water. And you can do that um, every time you want to smoke a cigarette. Let's say you smoke cigarettes. You can be like, oh, yeah, I can smoke a cigarette. But that requires 10 minutes of riding on the um, exercise bike. And then I earn one cigarette. You can just – or you can change what words mean or how you – like I reprogram myself. Instead of – I see dirt on his face. And instead of that, the program being it's time for me to yell at him, it's time for me to say I love him. I just change. I can just – it's all made up. That's exactly it. Why That's not make up some good shit, right? Why tell exactly. the Jew kid that the world's going to hate him? Tell him the world's going to love him. That's try, try flipping the script. Someone yep. steals a hundred bucks from you. Ask them if they need to borrow another hundred dollars instead yep. of doing what everyone else does and be like, get mad at them. It's yeah. your fucking story. It's your story, right? man. Yeah, you it's yours. Try yeah. some new shit. It's the word that goes back to what we said earlier. You know, words become thoughts, become belief, become action, become habits, become character. It becomes who you are. Yeah. You know, you can, you can shift that any, anywhere along that ladder of, of realities. You can, you can shift it. You can shift the words you're using. You can shift the thoughts you're having. You can shift those beliefs. You can shift those actions. You shift those habits. Uh, and you, when you do that, ultimately you end up shifting the character, uh, you know, you end up shifting who you are. Um, one of the books that we have the, um, not have, but we suggest the young men read in Apogee program is atomic habits. Uh, it's one of the first things we have them, uh, you know, we suggest, uh, do hard things first for a very specific reason. And then we suggest atomic habits second for a very specific reason, you know, and it's, it's, you start to define what your habits are and shift your habits. You reprogram those habits. It reprograms who you are as a human being. So good. I saw on Miranda Miranda's um, who's who I think is opening up a school through you. Yeah, I saw is. on her Instagram. Uh, I, I was always kind of interested that some people set goals and I wasn't really a goal person, but then I realized if you, I saw this on her Instagram one time, if you're passionate, there were three components. If you're passionate, you had good habits and something else, then it'll, it'll, it'll guide your life. And I remember thinking, wow, I am all three of those things. I, not only do I have good habits, but one of yep. my habits is to refine my habits. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's yep. like an important habit to have. You have to keep, especially as you get older. Yeah. You have to. Absolutely. You have to be refining your habits as you get older, or else you'll break yourself. There's shit you can't can't do when you're young, and you have to do when you're old. That's right. It goes that's the intention. The intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. So good, man. She's a stud. She's awesome, by the way. Which she, I know everybody knows if they're listening, but she's she's yeah. really good. What a crazy her and her husband. What a crazy successful uh, business story and a contribution yeah. to humanity. No doubt, man. Yeah, good, good folks, man. So I'm excited for them and excited to uh, to help them with this next part of the venture too. Good people. Thank you for the introduction, by the way, because I don't. I met her through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, in a way, you're on the front line fighting the war. The war is for. Maybe we don't even have to use the word war. You're on the front line of leading society where it's going to go what do i mean by that is it it's it sounds cheesy when you're a kid but now that we're older we know it's true the kids are our future yeah and so what we put into their minds now is what we're going to get we're going to reap the fruit of it um in the future there's so much um hysteria Mm -hmm. uh I, i better look up the definition of that word there's there's so much uh uh, definition of hysteria is a term used colloquially colloquially to mean ungovernable emotional excess. Oh, I like that. Okay. There's yeah. so much hysteria and lack of sobriety on the front line where you're hanging out, meaning there's people who want to uh, – in conflation of thoughts and shit, right? Like if you say, hey, I don't want the gay flag at my kid's elementary school, people think you don't like gays. It's like, no, I – fucking love a gay i would party with gay dudes all day they fucking rock i just don't want the flag a, a gender a, a, a sex flag a genitalia flag yeah. at the elementary school right straight or gay yep how, how do you how do you stay sober being on the front line of this how do you stay not get swept into the hysteria yeah um it really the, like the- like how do you not become militant that's what I have to, I have to stop myself from doing that. And people will check me with that anyways. Right. Because I, I, I will, I see the game that's being played. I see the agendas coming out. I see, and by the way, I saw those years ago and told people, Hey, in, in the next decade, we're going to be talking about, you know, gender ideology with kids. And we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, devaluing the dads and, and it's not a big deal. We're going to be talking about racism that doesn't actually exist. And we're going to be pushing it on the kids. Like this has kind of been this long tail game. And so I can get stuck in that too. And pointing that out. And I try to always give the caveat of like, look, if you're a good person that's in this, I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking this, you know, sort of system, whatever, but I, I really just try to shift my energy over to the solution. Cause one of the things that I realize is that none of this is going to go away. Um, the, you know, government schooling, conveyor belt schooling, all the hysteria around what we're doing with our young kids. That's not, uh, it's not going away when CrossFit exploded the way it did and created this cultural awareness, um, you know, gold's gym and 24 hour fitness and all, those didn't go away. Right. Right. Those stayed there. There's still the, like, it's still there. All of this is going to stay here. 
So again, memento mori, right, is the, the fascination of living. I've only got a certain amount of energy. I got a certain amount of time every single day. I can either use it to fight something that's not going away and point the finger, which I will still get sucked into. And I'll just try to do it more tongue in cheek to try to make a point, um, you know, just to try to get people's wheels spinning. But I spend the majority of my energy on building the building the alternative, building the new. Um, I understand that's going to create a, a cultural split. I really believe there are going to be um, there's going to be more and more of a split between people who have um, young people who have had exposure to real education versus people who are just indoctrinated in schooling. I think that split is going to become more and more obvious over the next couple of decades. Um, I don't think we can avoid that. So I will just spend my time getting as many young people on that upward trajectory as, as I can um, and just focus my attention there. I mean, that's really all I can do. When, when, if I were to ask you, um, uh, um, does Bigfoot have hair or fur? I'm asking you to partake in my delusion. Uh, and some imagination uh-huh. with the presupposition that Bigfoot exists. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel that way when someone asks me my gender, uh-huh. yep. because I don't think I have a gender because I've never once had the thought. I don't do anything because I'm a man. Right. I mean, it's not forced upon me. I'm forced to pee out of my penis. I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not choosing that. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not. I don't wake up in the morning with a raging heart on because I'm like, "Hey, heart on appear." I'm not. It's not like a cart. It's just there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, 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 I accept the fact that some men are attracted to other men the same way I'm attracted to women. I don't know. I don't. I did. I don't know. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Right. I'm not cognizant of it other than it's happening. Like That's I right. can do if I see a pretty woman and I notice myself to start to get um, stimulated by it, I could run the other way, but I, but I'm, or I could like sit with the thought, but, but though it's, it's happening to me, right? Like when my wife comes into bed, I just feel something turn on inside the same way. If I see an animal die, my tear ducts turn on. I don't, I don't, yeah. I just, they, yeah. they just turn on and I'm like, oh shit, is some water going to come out of here? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm observing this. The, the, the part about what I say, how do you get not get caught up in it is they want us to talk about something that's imaginary. And when we talk about it, we're making it real when there is no Bigfoot. Right. There is. That's right. That's right. I would rather study the impact of, of mountain lions right. on um, on the deer population and the ability to um, have cattle on this hill so right. we can feed society than talk about whether Bigfoot has hair or exactly. Exactly. fur. So- and they're Sorry. not even they're not even contributing to society when they fall down that rabbit hole so far because we need cows to be raised on this land not to be talking about whether Bigfoot um right. is is a mammal or a fucking reptile like or does he give live birth or does he lay eggs like what the fuck is going on I don't even know That's right. They so, need they need help. They they need help. They don't need us to partake people I love are participating in their delusion. It's like, it's like taking someone who's anorexic and then giving, and then giving them weight, uh, uh, um, uh, a gastric bypass so they can even be skinnier. (laughs) What? They're anorexic. Why did we give them? They need to, we're accommodating their delusion. Why are we doing this as a a society? Why, why are we accommodating our sick people? Why aren't we helping them? That's it, it. 
I agree hundred percent. And that's where I go with the, when I'm talking to parents around, you know, especially these last couple of years, right. We'd always, I started hosting meetings at, at some of my schools and, and just trying to help even we have an auditorium full of parents who none of whom went to any of my campuses. They were just trying to figure out uh, what to do with their own kids. And it was, wow. What so state went, when did this happen? Oh, this is in California. This oh, is in California. That sounds amazing. If you oh, ever need to, if you're ever going to do that again somewhere, tell me. I want to post that on my shitty Instagram account. Parents <laughs> need to get, get access to you when you do that. So you gathered a group of parents who are like, "Oh shit, what should I do with my kids?" Hundred percent. Yeah, we had a whole auditorium. We had we did it multiple times. Auditoriums full of parents going, "What do I do?" And what I was hoping to get across to them is like, "Look, I'm not trying to sell." And half the campuses that we had that they would have access to were full anyway. So it's not like I had anything to sell them. I couldn't sell them. I didn't have any desire for that. It was my, my whole goal of it was to try to point out to them. They were taking their time and energy to fight, you know, a school board or a school administrator. Um, You know, they were fighting a game that they, first of all, was expending energy to people who had no power to actually change anything, Mm. who weren't going to change anything. And then they were yelling about my kids shouldn't have to wear a mask. And then sending little Johnny out the door every day with his mask on, making sure yeah, that he's yeah. got it. So I'm I'm just trying to get them from a just purely humanity standpoint is going, look, you can't yell at the delusion while participating in the delusion. It's exactly what you were saying. Like you're you're participating in it, you're saying you don't like it, and you're taking your time and energy to argue about it while participating in it. And oh, by the way you're spending all your time right here on some stuff. that's never going to change. That's just this weird alternative reality that some people are trying to suck you into anyways. Yeah. You do understand you can actually take that same amount of energy, put it over here where you're pouring into your young person. You're providing other options for the young person. You're not participating in a mass delusion. You're not having to take energy to fight against anybody. You're taking all your energy to pour in, you know, love into your young person You've got the same amount of time and energy that you can just go boop, and shift it right over here, not have to live hypocritically. So like, let's go over here. Let's turn our eyes this direction, you know? And, and, um, but again, that's a religious hold, right? That's a let me ask you this. Hold. Let me ask you this. What, it, maybe this metaphor is not appropriate, but there's, there's weeds in my garden, there's there's sometimes I, I plant stuff um, that's, you, you know, like uh, um, like uh, my, my kids and I, we have a vegetable garden and there's uh, like the radishes. They're low on the ground. Right. And and if weeds come, you got to pull them out or else they'll bury the radishes. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I hear you. I should spend my time. Um, I don't spend as much time killing gophers as I do. I make sure I plant at least one new avocado tree every year sure. because I know every two years they're going to kill one. Yeah. So, so I, I don't, I don't spend, so I hear you in one respect of, um, yes, I, I mean, you're, you're saying the wisdom shit, you're saying the smart shit. It even pains me to fight with you on this, but, but do we have to weed any of these, these other guys out? Like, do we have to? Yeah, no. And I appreciate, I actually appreciate that, that clarification. So, um, I, like these people who think there's people who think Roe versus way there's people who think that the, that the Supreme court outlawed abortion. Yeah. I bet you it's more than 50%, Matt. 
Oh, I agree. The, all, every other country around us is like, I can't believe the United States outlawed abortion. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That nothing of the sort just happened. Yeah, they just handed it back. They over just to took the power away from the federal government. We should all be excited. 100%. Even even if you're pro-choice and you want to kill babies all day long, you should be so fucking happy because now you're free to do it. The 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 federal government when when you allow the federal government to say you you you're pro-choice, you're also allowing them to say you're pro-life. That would have been really fucked up. You know what? I wish they would fucking do that. Just to show all these motherfuckers on the other side what yeah. the oh, hey, you were confused. You know what we're yeah. going to do? We're actually yeah. going to make abortion illegal on the entire I mean, they should be so happy the federal government can't get involved. People don't they don't think they you just go We're living with morons, dude. 100%. Sorry. Sorry, honey. Sorry, Haley. Got fucked. So, I can't because- even make it to one show without calling someone a moron. Sorry, babe. So this gives so it goes to kind of the point. So using that metaphor of the garden, if you got weeds, yeah, I'm looking at this. I look at schooling um, and, and the mass religious system of schooling that we have built up over these last hundred years. It is no longer weeds. It is it is this jungle that is self perpetuating. I've got some of this stuff that grows on my ranch that. I go off and cut. Thank God I can actually use it to feed animals because I go, <laughs> I, I go cut it and throw it and give it to the goats or give it to the rabbits or give it to whatever. And that stuff the next day, it's just like, like I can't stop it. I look at schooling is it, it is something that um, I can't, you won't be able to stop that train. You're not going to be able to whack enough moles to make this whole thing stop. It's just not going to happen partially because we now it has done such a good job of its religion we do now have you know a 50 percent of the people who you know again morons don't think can't think won't think um you know whatever that is it's not going away there's so much money there's so much politics there's so much power here i spoke to a group called project lead the way i like them a lot um it's a it's an organization that goes in they build after school programs that are uh, project based. And so, which is what, Hey, by the way, you know, a lot of your school education should be anyways, and is not, but they are at least bringing it to public schools and they're doing so a lot of times after the fact or they're integrating. Um, so I went and did a keynote uh, presentation for them uh, about 2,500 educators from, or, you know, teachers from around the country and got to speak to them. And then, um, they had me go speak to a group of young, I did an hour keynote there. And there was an hour with a bunch of young, uh, heroes that they had brought from different schools all over the country. It's like a hundred or so of them that I got to hang out with for an hour. And then they had me hang out with, uh, seven teachers and administrators from around the country who had gotten awards, um, in various capacities from them. One of them was a principal from Oklahoma. And I remember her saying, look, I know where you stand on public school. I'm in the public school. I'm running public schools. I fully get it. I fully agree with you. Um, I hate all the bureaucracy. I hate what I'm told to do versus what the kids actually need. The system is soulless. The system is not for kids. I get that, but I can't stop fighting back, even though I'm not making any kind of dent, even though I'm not making any kind of difference. Why do we not just fight back? Why are you not more active fighting back there? And you're trying to build something different. How do I change what's there? And I said, if you figure out how to change what's there, let me know because we could go change things like the Vatican too, right? How do you change the Vatican? Damn. How do you change that? You're not going to go 
Ron and, and a group of parents aren't going to go yell at a bunch of priests and take out some of those. And then all of a sudden the Vatican's going to shut down and change right. too much time, power, money, right. politics. There's too much there. Right. We're not going to whack enough moles, period. Schooling is the same thing at this point. Um, I, I'm not going to whack enough moles in my lifetime to make a dent here. So if I grow something else over here, you know, to me, that is a far more net positive here than if I try to bury a couple moles over here. And, and you're luring away their people. You're actually doing you're 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 actually taking fruitless mulberry trees and grafting them so that now they produce fruit. Yes, that's exactly it. And unfortunately, the by the. The downside of it is that there are some young heroes who will never, ever be able to escape that system. And I fully understand that. So we've got to do everything we can on this side to make it more, you know, make it more accessible to other people. We, yes, that is part of that charge. Um, I understand that does continue to help perpetuate that split. I know it does. Um, and we can do That's what Greg Glassman said, by the way, about CrossFit. He says, I have no faith. No belief, no desire, no concern of helping all of humanity. Um, I, I only have the desire to provide people lifeboats who want to get on as the sick economy just fucking sucks the life out of civilization. Bingo. It's exactly what I always, that's yeah. exactly what we say is I always say, look, man, we are building. I'm not trying to convert anyone. Just like you said, I'm not trying to convert anyone, but if you want to get on this lifeboat over here, you can, it's just, just jump on. Yeah. We are building, we're building an ark. And I'm going to invite you on the ark. I promise you the flood is freaking coming. And, yeah. and a lot of people are going to drop. But we're in not, it. We're in it. We that's, are that's the tr- it's the trip. Such 100% a trip. 100% we're in it. Yep. So it's, yeah. it, it is, it is kind of, it is kind of fun. Um, if I, I ask, I ask, I, I'm going to ask two groups of people uh, to, to really be patient as this thing unfolds. If you don't have kids, and you are the elderly, I'm going to have to ask the most of you because there's something that you just don't have to deal with that we have to deal with that's really important. That's really, really important. I wish I could be more clear with this as the podcasts go on. I'll develop more and more. I felt a ton of ideas develop being in the presence of of Matt today. Um, but but those of us who have kids um, and, and – something's um there's a, there's a ton of really good pressure on us right now and if you don't have because i just imagine what if i was 19 years old right now the mm. 19 year old or 25 year old hippie that i was i would be so excited about the armageddon that we're in It'd, i'd be like this is fucking dope yeah. and if i was 80 years old and i was scared i i i and I, I would I, I i probably wouldn't be able to contribute what i need to contribute so those two groups of people please know that uh that eventually th- those of you who are in your twenties, you are going to have kids and your whole shit's going to be flipped upside down. Um, so, so just be patient. Everyone try to take a deep breath. Who's not on the, on the parent train. It's not that it, we're better or worse than you. We just have another obligation to humanity right now. And, uh, and, and we're going to do, and, and we're going to do it. We're going to one way or another, we're going to accomplish it. We're going to be successful at it. And we're going to do it. True story. True story, yeah. man. For those 19 year olds, the world thinks, very little of you or expects very little of you um, because of culturally where we've gone. So they expect you to just be taking years off of your life. They expect you to be distracted. They expect you to be sad. Yep. They expect 
you to be ineffective. They expect you to be non-resilient. They expect you to be all these things. And you have every ability to do the exact opposite. And because you're doing it's like compound interest, investing early, right? Invest in yourself early now, and you will separate yourself so freaking far away from oh. your like, I mean, it's never been, never been an easier time for a young person to be great if you choose to do so. That's true. I, that, that's so true. I, the, my final question, dang, three hours. I'm so happy we made it. Um, uh, you say, you, um, you say in the podcast with, uh, with Nick um, from BPN, mm-hmm. when people meet my kids, they're completely blown away. Mm-hmm. And they can't even believe it. Yep. And, um, I, I experience that every day going out with my kids is like going out with famous people. It's fucking yep. nuts. Everyone, like no matter where we are or what we're doing, just the way they carry themselves, people will just stop us. Yes, it sir. is fucking nuts. And they'll say, you have the most beautiful, talented three little girls I've ever seen. And I say, thank you. And of course they're three little boys. <laughs> um, and, uh, how, but, um, how do you. If you, if you, if you could, if you could give, uh, like, like to talking to Nick, if Nick wants to have one of those kids that when you go outside, everyone realizes that there's like, holy shit, we're in the presence of like superstardom. Um, what, what would, uh, first of all, as a parent, there's nothing better. That's like what it it is. It is fucking, it is so fucking fun. Like even if you go to the mall with them, people are staring at them just the way they, they, cause kids don't have to, like you said, if you just say hi to someone and smile and make eye contact, people think you're fuck the most amazing kid ever. I mean, the bar set so fucking low. Low. And that's, I want to, I want to be clear on that too. It's like, that's part of the reason that people are so astounded by your boys, by my, you know, two girls and a boy is the bar has been set so low. The expectation has been set so low that just the fact that they will do adult level things, meaning looking in the eyes, shaking hands, introducing, having a conversation, you know, like somebody at the grocery store the other day says, you know, uh, Hey, how are you doing over there? You know, and, and my six-year-old boy didn't like shy away. He didn't say, he said, I'm doing very fine. Thank you. How are you doing? You know, and just, and asked like how, had an adult response to that. And the guy's like, whoa. And he couldn't even respond back. And so my son's standing there going, I asked you how you were doing. And this guy's just chuckling and whatever, right? Because he just doesn't expect it. The bar's so low, dude. That's the thing. Sorry. I, I went. Yeah, I went to the. Uh, I was at the gas station um, supermarkets. Like you know, it's a gas station, but sells like the fruits and vegetables and shit. And I go there with my sons, and we're in line. And uh, there's a guy behind me, I guess, with only one item. And my oldest son, Avi, who's seven, goes, "Hey, um, do we want to?" And I have a whole basket full of shit. And he goes, "Hey, do we want to let that guy behind us go first? And I and and I look behind, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And he's like, "Well, tell him." I'm like, "No, you fucking tell him." And he yep. goes, "Do you want to go first? And the guy goes, looks at me. And I'm like, and he learned that from me, Bingo. right? <laughs> just like, Bingo. like he saw a dude with one item and just knows like, Hey, that's not cool. We got 30 fucking 40 items. We're not in a fucking hurry. Right. Like let this, this cat go in front of us. I'm going to use a credit card. This dude's probably going to throw $5 on and be out. This, um, this so how, is, is, how would you tell, 
where would you tell, what would you tell parents to do to, 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 to get them on the path to, yeah. to, to make these kids? Yeah. Uh, that you and, can, that you not only can take everywhere that you want to take everywhere. Like oh, if someone invites me to a wedding, they're like, no kids. I'm like, yes, I'm not going to your fucking wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know what I told, I told Nick to I actually send him a message the other day. I saw that they had had the, had the baby and, and I sent him a video message, man. And it was just like, you know, you're different, you're a different human being. Now, what, well, what I said on the podcast, I'll go back just a little bit. What I said on the podcast was, you know, the, the people ask me the question I get most often is, is how do you discipline them? Cause when they see them, oh. they assume it is some sort of disciplinary action in the way they define that word. And, and I just try to shift their mindset around discipline. And I said, why I actually don't discipline my, my kids. I have just shown them how to be a disciplined human being. And that is a different, that's the difference, right? Is because most adults aren't even disciplined human beings. So when you see another disciplined human, you're like, okay, well, that person's different. When that disciplined human is eight, you're like, what the fuck? You know, like it blows your mind. And so we've talked, we've created those disciplined habits in them. So what I told Nick was, you know, it's consistency, like anything else, there's no magic pill. Consistency is the key to, yes. to all of it, right? It's, but you, and you genuinely need to, you're consistent about, about everything you guys do as a family. You're consistent about praising them inspirationally. You're consistent about, um, you know, correcting them calmly. If there is a need for correction, you're consistent about taking them out. It's, it goes back to the whole words, to thoughts, to beliefs, to actions, to habits, to character. It's that whole train and you don't ever miss a beat. You don't want to miss your workout. Great. You don't want to miss, you, you know, staying consistent on eating the right things and not putting the garbage. It's the same thing with raising the young heroes. You're consistent about who you are as a family. You're consistent about leading by example. And what I told Nick was, um, you know, if you're going to be the guy that's leading by example, first and foremost, I want you to map out standard remains perfection. So map out what does the perfect dad do? How does he uh, pour into his family? How does he talk to them? How does he talk to his wife? How does he talk about money? How does he talk about fitness? How does he talk about finances? How does he uh, look at philanthropy and giving back? How does he talk about faith? Um, what does this guy do? Who is this perfect dad, perfect husband? How does he interact? And then I want you to fill out. I want you to talk about who the enemy is too, man. What is the guy that um, is just out to ruin a family? Like, what does he do? What does he look like? What does he say? What kind of attitude does he have? Uh, so I want you to keep those two guys. And because your standard is always to remain perfection here. It's to never let the enemy, you know, creep in. And then you build that consistency um, for your family. You do that day one from the time that little girl came out. She's beautiful. I think Charlie Grace is her name. And um, so man, she's you did perfect. say that to him. You said from day one, that's so important. Day one, man. Day, day one, one. Day she one is perfect. She's perfect. She's perfect health. She's perfect genius. She's a perfect view of the world. She's a perfect understanding of, and yes, no, she doesn't have, well, their frontal lobes aren't developed until they're 25. Yeah, I, fucking, I get it. Uh, I understand that. But as far as like her natural inclination around so many things is so spot on until we screw it up. So let's take a moment and just be consistent around the values that we want. Let's make be intentional about our words, intentional, intentional about what we're teaching her to believe about the world, intentional about the actions that we are taking as a family that she's seeing us take, intentional about the habits that we have as a family. What are our non-negotiables? 
you do all that, they're going to have that kind of character built in. And then honestly, man, it just gets freaking easy. It gets fun because we don't negotiate on that. They're holding us accountable now too. You know, like if, if I violate one of these rules, they'll call me on my bullshit and just go, Hey man, this is one of those rules and they'll do it respectfully. And I'll just go, yeah, you're right. Thanks, man. It's just like you, it's like, it's like you seeing me on something and calling me up and just going, Hey man, I saw you on that interview and this is what you said. And I don't think that's cool, man. I'd go, man, Savon, thank you, bro. Like, thank you. Like that's, I needed that. Thank you very much. Right. My kids can do that same thing. Cause they have that, um, the ability to do so it's consistency, man. Day one. You, you said in this podcast, um, I don't know if it's this one or another one or on your Instagram, you said manners are non-negotiable. It's yep. something like I'm so hardcore on. Yep. Like if we, if someone gave my kids something and they didn't look them in the eye and said, thank you, I would take it from them and give it back to the person. Totally. Yeah, totally. Like I, they, would, they would never be, they would never be like, oh, he can, oh, he's just shy. I would never, I would never make an excuse for my kid's weakness. I'd be like, dude, you, to get that, you have to say, thank you. Yeah. You and have again, to say, please. Totally. It's just, and, and you yeah, build not, that habit for them. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not, a, it's not an option. It's not an if option. They didn't say please or sorry or thank you to me. I don't, they, what, what the fuck do they, what they do have anything to do with our rules? No, These are our I, rules. We live by this I, shit. And, and I do it just to make their life better later on, right? I'm just, I know that they're going to hold the door open for the right guy who's going to offer them the job to mow the lawn that's going to get them the money to buy the bike. Like, I know how life works. That's right. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Doing the right, that's, that's it. He's going to let right you thing. keep his daughter out to 12 because you said please and thank you. And, beca- and, and because you stood up at the dinner table when the mom walked in. I mean, I, it's it's not. And, and, and I want that. And I want that for my son. Hey, you can come in. You want to come in? Come in. Come in. Come in. That's hey, right. What's up? I've okay, been here so three hours. You got one right here? Yeah. You want to see, say hi to my, my, my buddy, Matt. Ooh, look at your hair. Look at your hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, sir. How are you? Oh, uh, yes. He, he can't, Look he at can't that. hear you. He's looking like a handsome man. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much, buddy. Three man, thank you. Just love with you. Uh, people are always asking me to do kids uh, parenting shows, and I, and I think we got a little bit of that in today. That's awesome, man. Well, and I want to have you on uh, uh, talk with the young guys of Apogee. I'd love for you to see these young guys and how amazing they are and, and uh, always a lot of wisdom coming from you, man. I'm just, I'm very grateful to have you as a, as a friend and a voice out there, man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anything I can ever do to, uh, to help or participate in, in what you're doing, let me know. I appreciate that brother. Right back at you, man. I'm here. All right, dude, have a great time. Uh, I, I know your time is very valuable. Uh, and, and I, you got the ranch, the business and the kids. And so I just want you to know, I don't take any of this for granted. I, I, I love you to death. Thank you. Thanks for I being. Thanks for fighting side by side with us all, leading the way. Let me know when you come out to NC, man. We're gonna be working on the, getting the cabin next door, man. I'd love to have you guys come hang out, come visit. Awesome. Be fun. All right, buddy. Peace. Bye bye. See you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Are we going to um uh? What is it called again? I want to go to the skate park. No, I want to go to the so we can go to. Her house and get smooth. What? No, I want to go. Uh, we can do both. We can do both. We can get smoothie and go to skate park. Uh, guys, thank you. That is a that is a tremendous uh, human being right there, uh, Matt uh, Bordeaux, Bordeaux, Bodro, Bodro. Man, what a great dude. Uh, 
tomorrow we have do we have two shows tomorrow I, I know tomorrow evening i have a show with brian and oh i only have one show scheduled tomorrow uh oh it's at 7 a.m wow okay tomorrow at 7 a.m i thought it was uh, in the evening uh, tomorrow at 7 a.m i have the show with Brian Friend and uh, Mr. James Hobart about the team competition. And then on the 20th, um, I have a, uh, I think it's going to be a live call in show, but one of my guests for like 30 minutes is going to be a guy named e- Idris. And uh, he used his jujitsu to stop a guy who broke into a liquor store. So I'm curious to hear about that. And then he filmed it on his Facebook and the cops came up. It was quite, quite the shenanigans. Oh, I knew I stayed on long enough for a reason. Look at, we got $5 to buy your smoothie. Um, and somewhere in there, I need to do a live call show. It also looks like, am I looking at this right? Oh yeah. And then on Thursday, we have Dale Saran back on. He's the former general counsel of uh, CrossFit HQ amongst many other things. Then on Friday, the 22nd, um, it looks like I don't have anybody. I got to start scheduling people. Matt Torres, Haley Adams, Cara Saunders, James Sprague, Don Pepper. A bunch of people. Okay. Ciao.